o'clock on a Saturday. Mike Murphy. Hi there. Fred Hugh. Hey, Fred. Murph and Fred back together again on ESPN uh, busy, busy, 1000. Busy, busy day. I'm Mike Murphy. He's Fred here. We're glad you're all with us. And uh, Fred, uh, everyone stayed up till uh, 2.20 a.m. watching that World Series game last night. No, uh, not me. No? Not me. Yeah. I, was, uh, I was sound asleep after the Red Sox scored in the top of the 13th. I thought it was a, a 3 nothing lead. And yeah. I woke up this morning and found out that the Dodgers actually came back to win an 18. <laughs> Here's what we have for you today over the next three hours. We will... Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the uh, uh, World Series uh, last night. I saw it all. I didn't intentionally say, I'm so dedicated. I got to watch this. But you know what? I just couldn't fall asleep. So I was there. You didn't have to be uh, 18 innings. It was the longest innings-wise World Series game ever and the longest uh, wristwatch uh, time-wise ever. 18 innings. Uh, seven hours and twenty minutes. Game ended at about two twenty a.m. Which the well, I'd be like, if it was seven twenty, it had to be about seven twenty eight. Well, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, two twenty eight. I mean, in the morning. Yeah, this is all give or take by right. a few minutes. But the uh, interesting angle is, if it had been a double header, all right, and then they started the next game right right away, and it went the same length, it wouldn't be over yet. It would, end, it would end at about uh, 20 minutes to 10 in yeah. about another hour and a half. Yep. Another uh, uh, 40 minutes, rather. Yep. Yeah, it was a long one. It was real long. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm looking at the box score and just seeing a team like the Boston Red Sox mm-hmm. in 18 innings have seven hits. Uh, there were 18 hits in the game, 18 innings, 18 hits, 18 pitchers. How about this? The Boston Red Sox last night. The first four batting slots, right? Mm-hmm. And there were some pinch hitters and flip-flops. So the number one, two, three, four slots added up 0 for 28. The number five slot was 1 for 6. So the top the top five slots right. were 1 for 34. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the top two, Betts and Bogarts, the two guys that are their big studs at the top of the order yeah. all year long, went mm-hmm. 0 for 15. Yeah, yeah. So the game ended on a walk-off homer. Now uh, the game was uh, carried right here on good old ESPN 1000. And just in case you are not awake at uh, 20 minutes or so after two this morning, 18th inning, tie score, and good old number 13. Not unlucky last night. Not for him at all. Yeah. Let's bring Max uh, Muncy uh, up up to the plate. And the pitch and a swing and a high fly ball left center. Did he get enough? It's over! Finally, Max Muncy. We said it about four hours ago that he's really due. Well, better late than never. And in a must-win game, the Dodgers get it done. Well, that was the uh, highlights courtesy of us. Yeah, I, I don't like to criticize, and people say, who are you kidding? Yeah. But Chris Singleton, it's it's a World Series walk-off yeah. homer. Be a little more excited than saying, finally. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a it's not a game in the middle of the season, Chris. Yeah, w- wait till uh, Rob Manfred hears yeah. that. You're trying to sell the product. Yeah, it was only 12-20. Yeah. 
And Manfred's trying to figure out why the ratings are down. Well, the ratings aren't going to be much better for last night's game because everybody went to bed. Well, maybe he had fallen. Maybe uh, Chris had actually fallen asleep. Yeah. I, and like someone, I said, el- the producer elbowed him. Oh, finally. You could tell You could tell how into it Dan <laughs> Shulman was. Shulman was yelling the whole game. His voice cracked twice, yeah. which you almost never hear. Yeah. Which is great. We'll get to plenty of bears between now and noon. Jesse said, I'm going to come on. I got a little Cubs talk for you. That'll be around 10 o'clock. Got uh, some Bears guests lined up uh, between now and noon, most likely in the 11 o'clock hour. Going to nail them down. Let's go right now, though, to our uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. And uh, let's line up a couple right now. All right. First would be Khalil Mack. All right. Uh-huh. And all reports are that he will be attempt. He will be suited up in plain. Probably again. Yeah. Those are current reports, right, Fred? Anything can happen. Same with Allen uh, Robinson, wide out, good on number twelve. They're both listed as questionable, but it's and yeah. uh, limited yesterday, which means they you know practiced uh, to a limited degree. But uh, as of now, we'll get more details. I'm sure in the rest of the uh, morning here, expected to play. So uh, here's uh, here's a Twitter poll I'd like you to vote on right now at ESPN 1000. To help the Bears, Khalil Mack must be 80%, 60%, 40%, or 20%. All right? Okay. We know he's not going to be 100%. Very dubious he's going to be 80 but whatever. Question is, how healthy, good to go, does Mack have to be to help the team as opposed to, well, hinder, right? The okay. team. 80%, 60, 40, or 20. Uh, Mark Potash, our Bears beat guy over there at the Sun Times, wrote during the week Fred Mack, Sunday against the Patriots at 75%, or whatever he was, was not better than another player would have been at 100%. So, in other words, even at 75%, right? And then Potter says, or whatever, you know, he really was. It wasn't uh, any more helpful than a player, not his uh, ability, at 100%. Okay. So uh, let us know how you feel on that. And uh, to dovetail that, why are the next question on the Twitter poll, <laughs> why are the Bears playing Mac tomorrow? Uh-huh. You know, if indeed they do, right? Right. Multiple choice. Why are the Bears playing Mac Tomorrow. A, well, it's a must-win game. I heard that all week. Okay. All right. It's not really true, because you might win some of the games that you're expected to lose, but whatever. Yeah, that, you know. uh, it's pretty much, uh, uh, after losing to, after losing to Miami oh, two weeks ago, this one's pretty much much uh, yeah. a must-win. Unless you win two or three games later that you were expected to lose. But unless you're, unless yeah. you're tanking. Well, well. Yeah. Are oh, you looking down at uh, Twitter poll number six? No, right? I have no, not. Just kidding. I haven't looked at that one yet. <laughs> Why are the Bears playing Mac on Sunday? A, well, it's a must-win game, Murph. B, even at 50%, he still helps. You got to play him. C, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar, just dollar, 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 dollar okay. sign, money. Or uh, a letter, I got choice D. Why are the Bears playing Max Sonic? Dumb. Okay. Okay. Vote for those right now. And our final Twitter poll for the uh, first hour here. Listen closely now, okay? Don't jump over the, uh, the line before you shoot the ball for the free throw. Joe Madden will again someday replace Ricky Renteria. 
Joe Madden will again someday replace Ricky Renteria for the second time. A. Hmm. Let me think about it. B. Why not? C. You're nuts. Spelled capital N, capital U, capital T, capital Z. Okay. Is that how you entered it there, Felix the Cat? That is correct. That's how I entered it. All right. I thought maybe you thought Murph's losing. It's midnight and he's hit the wrong key again. Or <laughs> D, great idea. Okay. All right. We'll get to those in a few minutes. I'd like to do something with uh, a call during the World Series game last night. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was listening to the game on uh, TV for, for the most part. So I'm listening right. to Joe Buck and uh, John Smoltz. There was a play. Uh, this is uh, bottom of the sixth inning. And uh, Manny Machado is up. Everybody's favorite shortstop. Uh-huh. Well, I had the TV on and the volume and the radio for some reason. Okay. And the TV guys, well, they teed him up pretty good, Manny. But, Fred, you didn't hear the radio yet, did no, you? No, did this not. going to be new to you, right? I have not heard it. Here's what happens. Manny, who everybody wants to throw three, $400 million over 10 years at... And maybe somebody will. Oh, I'm sure they will. I'm sure know. somebody will. I don't know, Fred. A lot of people say that the uh, you know the Dodgers may still be interested in him, but I don't understand why. He's got that uh, dog in him. Yeah. In fact, there was well, a... I tweeted. I tweeted out Machado equals dog uh, after it happened. Immediately after it happened. Well, there was a survey I saw somewhere this week. Can't remember where. Where they polled. They polled a bunch of general managers. Anonymously, naturally. And uh, would you sign, would, would, will someone sign, or would you be interested right. still after his lack of hustle, Manny, and admitting that he's, you know, never really been a Joe Hustle or whatever right. his phrase was? Well, he's admitted it. He's you know. not that kind of guy, yeah. And it was 100% yes, we would still be interested in it. Right. That was before what happened last night. If you didn't see it in the sixth inning, Manny lines a ball. Like a two iron, yep. boom, low line drive. One of those that the shortstop, you know, almost leaps yep. up in the air for, but then ends up being a home run. Uh-huh. Well, man, he thought it was going to be a homer. Left fielder turns, yeah. runs, to the, runs back to the wall. One problem. It hit the wall. Yes, it did. He didn't run. He got the first. He had the bat with him almost all the way, halfway to first base. You know. Watching it. Probably a sure double, though it was hit so hard and ricocheted back. Perhaps he would have, you know, done the 30, 40 feet around first base, full bore, and then turned around and went back, right? Like most players he would said, do. You said full bore. I don't know if he's ever run full bore. So, well, he's boring to yeah. watch because he doesn't run. And they timed it. It was 7.7 seconds to first base or whatever yeah. I heard later. But the TV call, they gave him a rough ride. But our guy Dan Schulman uh-huh. and uh, Chris Singleton yep. on... ESPN 1000, the national radio feed. All right. The first cut is live when it happened. Then the inning ends shortly after. And then they come back, what, two, two and a half minutes later? Okay. And they're more loaded up for bear. Usually announcer guys, they drop it. You know, okay. They give him the roughest blister I've ever heard. And uh, we got the first cut here. Here's the actual play-by-play of uh, Manny not... I'm figuring I'm going to run this ball out. Uh, if we can get Felix, uh, wait, I got it right here. Felix, thank you. 
And uh, here we go. Here's the first play. And the Kelly pitches a breaking ball, line to left field, over the head of Martinez and off the wall on the fly. And Manny talked it out of the box. And he's at first base. It's unbelievable. He totally dogged it out of the box. That's unbelievable. I can't believe that. Thought he had hit a home run. Hit it hard, hit it off the wall, on the fly, and totally admired it. It wasn't like fair or foul. It was straightaway left field. Went 20, 30 feet down the line with a bat in his hand and just cost his team 90 feet in the World Series. I snapped the tape. That's nothing. Now, the next batter makes out to end the inning. I love where he just kept saying, he dogged it. Luckily, the next batter didn't get a two-out single, uh-huh. which would have scarred Manny from second. Right. But only would have advanced him, you know, now to second. But the two, two-and-a-half-minute, uh, you know, break between innings. Now they come back, and you thought these guys gave him a rough ride a minute ago? Yeah. They've had two-and-a-half minutes to think about it. The stakes can never be higher than they are right now. And he's still totally dogged it out of the box on a ball that wasn't even close to going over the fence, was several feet away from going over the fence. What would have made it worse for Machado would have been if Bellinger had singled. Because if Manny's at second, he scores on the play. First, he would not have. Now, Bellinger popped up, but still, in the court of public opinion, there is no reprieve on this issue for Manny Machado. Oh, the Dodgers, uh, Dan, they're just... You know, really trying to get all they can out of Manny Machado over the course of, you know, six more days, five more days, six more days, and it's a wrap. And if a guy can somehow help you win a World Series, then yep. great. But I'm sure bags will be packed after that. I would agree. Well, it, it's, it, I think it's going to be the most fascinating off-season situation, even more than Bryce Harper, even more than Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he is throwing up warning signs left and right to teams right now. And how could how could you confidently commit, you know, eight years, 280 mil, whatever the numbers are? How can you do that when you see this happen time and time again? Yeah, and it, it doesn't, you know, the trend isn't that things get better for a player when they sign that kind of deal in terms of their, you know, their hustle or let's say their work ethic. Maybe it stays the same, but more than more likely than anything else, it kind of diminishes absolutely if you can't run hard in a world series when you're going into free agency when are you ever going to run hard all right back to the game (laughs) have you ever heard any uh announcing a a team come back from the break national radio yeah not in a world series you know usually uh you know you you uh, govern yourself you temper yourself Stifle yourself, Edith. Yep. Yep. As a, a guy named Archie Bunker used to say many years ago, they couldn't stop, Fred. No, they no, couldn't not stop. at all. For, for good reason. Well, it, you know, yeah. and, and it's almost as if when Manny, you know, got to first base, he realized he screwed up. But you know what? It's too late. You can't do it. And we've seen it throughout the course of, of his career, throughout the course of these playoffs. He's He's got to, you know... I don't know. I, he's a tremendous player. He's got the greatest talent, but he's he's got a he's got a he's a no brain. Well, especially just, a, after his self proclamation that I'm not a hustle. Yeah, I'm guy. not a hustle guy. Yeah. Now, well, good. We're not. We're you're not a two hundred million a year, uh, two hundred million guy either. So people think, and I've heard it that well, you know what? Give me those thirty home runs. Give yeah. me those thirty five home runs. Yeah. Give me those hundred and twenty ribbies. Give me that uh, you know terrific defense. Uh, you know borderline Gold Glove type guy. I'll take him. 
Well, you know what? I don't know if a lot of GMs these days are going to take him. And here's why, Fred. Number one, as I sort of alluded to, uh, you give this guy long-term deal. They're saying anything from 10 years at 30 million times 10, you know, or uh, like they just said, maybe six, seven. Doesn't matter. The point is, after a little while, after the honeymoon, how are you going to control this guy for yeah. the next four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten years? You can't. No. And that's not his, the whole point. The other thing is, now you got players on the team that are making five hundred grand, the minimum, or you know, two, three, four million. Younger guys, and they look at this guy in the second, third year, and he's dogging it constantly, not hustling. You know what? Then they say, "Well, if that guy doesn't have to run." Blanket, I ain't going to run. Yeah. And it permeates like a cancer throughout the entire culture of the organization. Well, and the one thing is, too, doing it during the regular season, uh, dogging it is a thing where people say, okay, 162 games, this, 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 and this. But as they pointed out, this is the World Series. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you bust your tail. Everybody said that your goal is to get the ring. You know, the goal in all sports, get the hardware, get the ring, get the silverware, whatever it might be. Um, if you can't do this in the all, if you can't run hard in the World Series, I mean, Rick Monday, who does a radio broadcast for the Dodgers, he says Machado hit the ball and didn't run. He became a spectator, and this is the World Series. This is for a guy that obviously played the game, Rick Monday. And if you can't hustle during the World Series, I mean, you see, I mean, yesterday. Bellinger had an interesting game, getting picked off second base, then making Dang. a great, then making a great throw and nailing Kinsler at the plate, yeah, from jumping up field. and down. How yeah. excited they are! I can't imagine one of those. Listen, Yasiel Puig is hustling his, his butt off to get down the line. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he, if, if, when Yasiel Puig's hustling and you got another guy in your team and he's not, that makes it really look bad because in the years past, Puig might have been a guy that didn't hustle much. But I, I, I couldn't sign Manny Machado with anybody's money. Between I don't care what he does. Your goal is to win the World Series. I don't care what he does during the regular season. Doesn't matter. I don't care. He's gonna he's gonna ruin the entire team. I don't care if he's a triple crown winner. Right. If he's not gonna hustle when everything's on the line, I don't want him on my team. If it was between Harper and Manny, and you're a team, say the Cubs, and well, you got you're the gonna dunk. pick one of them. Yeah. Right. At least you got to figure Harper. All, I know he's got a lot of negatives. Yeah. He gets hurt all the time. He's straight. Okay, I know. I never saw where he shows me that in another two, three years he's going to dog it. Now, usually when he, and plus when he's on base, he's going full yeah, bore because yeah. he wants to throw that helmet off and have those locks flying. Right, his hair's on fire. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. What do you mean, literally? <laughs> I think I saw it flaming once. Let's go to a three three two three seven seven six. A lot of Bears talk coming up, but we'll first go to Jim in uh, Chicago Heights. Hello, James. Hello, Fred. What's up, Jim? When you said if he would have got the second base, that's assuming he isn't going to dog it on a single coming from second. You got me there. <laughs> You're a caller of the show. Yeah, he if he was at second base and was a single, he might have walked to third. Yeah, you don't know that. Because he's not Charlie Hustle or whatever. He's <laughs> hey, Jim, is caller of the show. You know what you win, don't you? What? You win a chance for Fred to come over and eat all the food in your refrigerator. <laughs> Do I chicken soup? <laughs> no, I actually don't. I'm no, one of the few no. people. I like that Campbell's green bean casserole that's big around uh, this time of year. Thanks, Jim. Thanks a lot, Jim. Okay. See you, buddy. You, 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 I know why you brought that up. Uh, we'll get to that in a okay. little bit. I didn't know you were onto that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> I, was, I, I like it more than my wife does. But Really? Yeah. 
Italians, I, for some reason, I don't think we're big fans of the green bean casserole. Well, tell you what, Fred, I was gonna, I was gonna hold that back, but maybe this hour we we should touch on that. Okay. 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 In fact, uh, everyone, uh, if you have a minute, Google up. Tell you what, uh, Felix, I can't give me a little um, masterpiece theater. I need a little music for for this. Do we have that on the board, there, Felix? There you go, buddy. All right, Google up. Uh, Fred, her first name, Dorcas, D-O-R-C-U-S. Her last name, Riley, R-E-I-L-L-Y. I'm pretty sure if you just search Dorcas, you might find, well, maybe not. Dorcas Riley. Dorcas is actually a uh, genius of beetles in the family of <laughs> the stag beetles. So I guess you can look at the whole thing. And then put like Campbell's uh, soup or green bean casserole. Uh-huh. All right. Let me know when that uh, when you get that. I'm thumbing through, going through, and I find some. Uh, I'm see the obituary the other day. Hey, Felix the cat, you ever had uh, green bean casserole? Does that mean anything to you? I have, not a fan. All right. Creator, she passed away. Dor- uh, Dorcas uh, Ms. Riley passed away. Creator of the, the green bean casserole in 1955. I saw that and burst out laughing. Not that she passed away. Well, she was 92, so, but, you know. But that someone would be the creator yeah. of the green bean casserole. I'm surprised. I go, that, wait a minute. I'm surprised that she got credit for it. Are you telling me that no one before 1955, you know, like uh, Mark Kettle out in the Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania uh, during World War II, all uh-huh. right? Uh Here's the classic green bean casserole from Campbell's. Oh, but uh, Ms. Riley, uh, the woman who created the Thanksgiving staple, enjoyed by millions, has passed. Campbell's soup officials, ooh, the officials, said the New Jersey... Yeah, I wonder if they wear stripes. <laughs> That's very good. The, red, the and white. red and white stripes for Campbell's. Okay. Mm-hmm, good. The uh, officials said the New Jersey resident was the driving force behind the popular dish. Made with green beans and cream of mushroom soup, topped with crunchy fried onions. The company said it's the most popular recipe ever come down the corporate uh, kitchen uh, pipe. The recipe's website got almost 3 million visits uh, during the holidays last year. Oh, the original recipe card, you know, those 3 by yeah, 5 cards, sure. or 5 by 4 whatever, is been donated and it's in the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Whatever that is, right? So I'm thinking about this. A can of Campbell's cream of mushroom soup. Four cups. Here's the official recipe on the Campbell's website. It's on the can, too. Four cups of cut green beans, some salt, some pepper. They tell you how much. And one and a third cup of French's fried onions. Or you can just chop up your own onions. How can how can that how can that be the first person ever thought of that in 1955 now they talked to uh they interviewed her back in the 2005 associated press interview marking the recipe's 50th anniversary riley said she didn't really remember having anything to do with the dish because she made hundreds of different creations many of which did not go she also helped create tomato soup meatloaf a tuna noodle salad. Ooh, tomatoes, tomato soup, meatloaf sounds good. And My wife sloppy, hates meatloaf, too. Sloppy Joe's called the Super Soup, S-O-U-P. Get it? Or burger. So I'm thinking about this, Fred. 
She's got her thing in the uh, Inventors Hall of Fame. Can you put a, a patent or a copyright on this? The original recipe, she, the, in, the Inventors the Hall she, of Fame. No, you can't do that, right? So I'm thinking. No, you know why she can't do it? Because she works for them. Well, that too. Yeah, she was a staff member in the home economics department. Remember the story? Google up sometimes Sears, back then, Sears Roebuck. The guy that worked for Sears and invented the ratchet release screwdriver oh, yeah. wrench. Okay. And they sold like billions of them. Sure. And he sued to get some uh, residuals for it. Interesting story. So the creator, no, the creator of the green beans casserole, right? That's the headline. So I'm thinking, Fred, when I was back at good old Southern Illinois University, living off campus with Robbie Davis, Sam Glick, and the guys from my college radio station, WIDB, uh-huh. Interdormitory Broadcasting. We're in the basement, so we said WIDB is really we in uh, the basement. Uh-huh. That, that's where we were. So we would do anything to scrape together some cheap food, right? So I invented this. Ready? I would go to the local uh, Piggly Wiggly or whatever right. dumpy grocery store they had down in Carbondale. And uh, I, I, I'd get a can of uh, huh, Campbell's Cream of Mushroom. Okay. Put it in a saucepan. I get a can of peas, uh-huh, like twenty two cents, but if I had twenty four cents, I get the fancy silver can Le sewer or whatever, throw those in there. Then you know what else I'd do? I'd throw in a can of chicken or the, the tuna fish uh-huh. I throw it in there. Then remember they used to have bags of rice in a bag, yep. and you just put them in the boiling water and boil that. So I had I was the creator of green pea casserole. Can I? Green pea tuna casserole. Well, yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you. It was filling, it was cheap, and it was good. I'll give it to everybody again, because I know you're all going to be calling in. Can you give me that recipe again? Simple. You get a can of cream of mushroom soup from Campbell's. You get a can of chicken of the sea light tuna. You get a can of green peas. If you have two extra cents back, then you get the silver can, the sewer, whatever. I don't care how you pronounce it. And then for under a buck, it was like a buck. And it would fill up three guys in case we had the munchies in Carbondale late at night. Are you kidding me? (laughs) In case you had the munchies. It was the greatest thing you've ever had. It was terrific. (laughs) And I don't get any credit for it. What did people have before 1955? They had the Since green, it wasn't created they before They had the that. same thing. No, it wasn't created before that. God love Ms. Riley. Murph and Fred. We'll get right back to the phones. You know, in 72, Good Housekeeping Cookbook, they replaced the uh, cream of mushroom soup with sour cream. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be as good. <laughs> and that don't. was another Murph moment. Oh, we did that many a time. 332-3776 as we uh, veer off the uh, non-hustle. Got a f- couple of uh, final comments. Final couple of comments, I almost said right there. And we'll get on the Bears beat. Jesse says he'll call in around 10. We got Bears guests lined up at 11. Busy all day. Back in a flash. Vote at ESPN 1000. Day. Glad you're back. Murph and Fred. You know, I got to tell you, I just yeah. watched the Max Muncy homer to win it in the 18th. He went up. He also didn't run out of the box. 
So if the ball would have hit the wall, they would have <laughs> right. had to young, yell about Max Muncy. But it, the ball was hit a little bit better than uh, the one that uh, Manny Machado didn't run out of the box yeah, for. That's a big old ballpark oppo there. Well, especially at night and well, late in the evening. and so. Well, the other thing, it's uh, the elevation's near zero. And no one ever factors in gravity, uh, you know. And uh, all the ballparks that are built uh, uh, along both coasts, uh, they all have... Uh, I know there's a little bit there in Chavez Ravine, you're up a little. But uh, that was about eight rows deep or five, five seven, didn't it look like about... It was a, yeah, but it was, a high, it was high, so you never know yeah. if it was going to no, go Exactly or not. right. We'll get back he to... He didn't run out of the box. I'm going to be mad at Max Muncy now. I, we have He's a couple... mad. He's mad. <laughs> Max it. Muncy. We'll get to... Uh, we met that guy that did the voice. Oh, he's a great guy. You yeah. hear him all the time here on our station. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was a nice guy. Doug. Doug, Doug Ackman. Doug, exactly. Yeah. Hey, Doug. Yep. Uh, we'll get right to the phone, starting with Bear Fan Bob in a moment. But uh, let's take a look at our active Twitter poll questions. Let's bring in uh, Felix the Cat. Uh, why are the Bears playing uh, Khalil Mack this Sunday? And it appears they are, but we'll see at game time, day to day or whatever. But why are the Bears playing him? <clears throat> Excuse me. A, it's a must-win game, Murph. B, even at 50%, he helps. C, it's all about the money. Or D, because they're dumb. I don't have any idea, Fred, where the fans are going to vote on this. What do you want? I would have had a different one. I would, yeah. have, I would have just said that because the other uh, team still has to scheme for him. All right. Uh, even the Patriots did probably for a first series or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. uh, I think he needs to be out there. I'm not sure which one I would go with, though. Okay. Must win game. At 50%, he still That's helps. That's probably it. At 50%, he still helps. It's always about the money. Well, they're paying him a lot, and he feels also I should play because I'm being paid a lot, so they say that's how. Or they're just a dumb move. What the? Just give us the winner there. What the fans say, Felix? All right. 44% people say it's dumb to have him play uh, this Do they really? All right. Yep. Go, go down backwards. Next down was? All right. 31% says at 50%, he still helps. All right. 18% is a must-win game. All right. And then 7% is dollar-dollar sign. Always about the money. And uh, Twitter poll next to that one was, to help the Bears Sunday, Mac must be at least 80%, 60%, 40%, or 20%. He looked about 20% to me last uh, Sunday. It didn't help. Uh, what did the fans say? What was the winner? All right, we are two percent shy of this being awesome. Hmm. At seventy-eight percent, we have eighty percent. Yeah, almost eighty percent said eighty percent. He's got to be Fred. Last week, what would you judge him to have been? He wasn't eighty. Probably about seventy-five. Yeah, I don't know, seventy or seventy-five. Right. Yeah. Okay. See, they didn't. They did not have him rush. And I asked. I asked uh, Yurko about this because I wasn't on all week long. And people were poo-pooing the idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's much more difficult than someone with a bad ankle to actually go and push against a three hundred pound guy trying mm-hmm. to get into the back of the you know the backfield as opposed to dropping back in coverage. Now Yurko said you're right. It it is tougher because all of a sudden someone's pushing well, on yeah. you and putting pressure on your ankle. But then when you drop back in coverage, then you got to make quick movements. So that's that's not great either if you have a bad ankle. So see, here's the other. They only rushed him with the fourteen times they well, said he actually even rushed. And uh, was yesterday that uh, Nagy called the press, the writers, the media, if you will. He's at about the same spot, meaning you know Friday, than than he that he was than he was last Friday. Yeah. So he has not improved since last Friday. Right. Would he have been better 
yesterday had he not played. Well, we'll never know. No, we won't know. Let's go to the phones. Three, three, two, three, seven, the other thing I'd like six. to see, I'd like to see him line up on the other side for a change. Oh, he, he did, did that. He did a few times, and not many though. Yeah, okay, he did that almost exclusively the first three games. Yeah, and then they moved him to the other side. Bear fan Bob's next. Hey, Bob, jump in, buddy. Go. Hey, good morning. You know, they probably would be better off just setting Mac for the next next two games against the Jets and Buffalo. He's not helping anybody. I think he makes the team worse when he's on the field. You know, but that's just me. Anyways, I think this is a must-win game. If the Bears want to win this game, uh, the offense needs to learn to take what the defense gives them because last week that was a winnable game if they do that. Case in point, the center of the field. Next thing I want to see is that offensive line open up a few holes from the running back. I do not want to see my quarterback out there running for 80 yards, running for touchdowns, this, that, and everything else. No, 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 no. We got guys for that. It's time for them to start running because that's what they're paid for. The next thing, maybe the defense might think about a little pass rush and, I don't know, maybe tackling somebody for a change might be a good thought, and the special teams. You do that, you're going to win the game. And it should be. They should win this without Khalil Mack. Get him healthy because you're going to need him at the Detroit and the Vikings game at the middle of next month. Those are my thoughts. Hey, Bob, uh, Bob and uh, yeah. Fred, Bob, stay on Fred also. Uh, the reports are that you, you brought up the offensive line there on your uh, item number two, Bob. And uh, Fred, uh, oh, yeah. Eric uh, Kush uh, will not be playing. Yep, James uh, Daniels will be in there. Neck. He's been alternating drives or series uh, with uh, second-round draft pick James Daniels. He will, Daniels, be full-time. Right. Some speculate he, you know, will never leave that job again. You know, he's there for 10 years, hopefully, and no more alternating. Uh, that's a step up. Have you had a chance, Bear fan Bob, to get an opinion yet? It's early, you know, on James Daniels. I would like to see Daniels play more and more. Yeah. And uh, if they replace Kyle Long, I would not be upset about that either. I, I'm done with this movie. Okay. You know, uh, you've got to have an offensive line. And Murph, you know yourself, I run with a few old offensive linemen. And I just shake my head because of what they've taught me. It's like, when does this stop? You have to open up some holes for these running backs. you got a couple of great running backs, Howard and Cohen, you know. Let them do their job. Stop it with Trubisky or you're going to get them killed. Just a thought, guys. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Bob. Great, great to hear from Bear yeah. fan Bob. He's over there on the, the Tri-State Tollway. Yeah, you might call it 294. The only thing I disagree with the Bob on is they're not calling they're not calling scheduled run plays for Trubisky. He's running because the uh, you know guys aren't open and he can find running lanes. Uh, they didn't. None of the runs he had last week, I don't think, were were called run plays. Um, and the offensive line is just not opening up holes. They're running, they're running Jordan Howard about as much as they ran him last year. Yeah, uh, but they're just not getting any yards out of it. And they've got to start opening some holes. Otherwise, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. But the running game's got to get in gear. And I know Nagy mentioned that on Monday. See what's weird, Fred. Great points, X's and O's wise. Which you know, I'm certainly not an expert. But we were led to believe, or at least I was, with the new offensive schemes of, of the, the new organization, that by with the more spread offense and throwing, you would th- think <laughs> there would be fewer linebackers in the box, yeah. you know, uh, uh, bunching up there to stop the runs through the line. Right. So, as you point out, correct, they're not getting the pops through the line. Which can't, is not because there's eight in the box 
maybe even seven in the box because of the reasons we were just saying. So it's got to be the O-line can't even open up the hole for them to right. pop through. You know, like when you buy a, a bottle of blue cheese olives, the first one, but if you finally get it out, uh-huh. no one's popping through there like that first uh, blue no. cheese olive through the bottle. They're not, they're not opening up any holes at no. all. And even the holes, when, when Trubisky does run, he's not running up the middle. Mm-hmm. He's running because, you know, think about it, his big runs last week, he was going off to the right side, then he he, he spun around and ran left. Yep. Uh, his other run, where he went all the way down to the one-yard line, was one of the more amazing runs. The only run I can compare that to with a quarterback was the one that Steve Young had years ago against the Vikings when he got into the end zone. But I, no quarterback is going to get to the line and then realize that he has blockers coming and he can gain more yards. He gained another 15 to 20 yards on that play. That was a tremendous run by Trubisky. I don't, I don't have a problem with him doing those things and scrambling when he needs to. Well, in fact, we have a Twitter question coming up uh, later, but it's online now. Is it bad when Trubisky runs with the ball? Simple question, right? Uh-huh. Is it bad when Trubisky runs with the ball? And here's the possible four answers. No, because it's usually a first down. B, no, it's often a big gainer. Right. C, yes, it's bad. Just sit and pass. You'll hear a lot of people in here, God, just stay in the pocket and learn to pass, kid. You know, don't get those happy feet. Or D, is it bad? D, yes, he could get injured. All right. Now, I think a lot of this thinking, and this is what you were sort of touching on too, I believe, Fred, is, you know, old school. Where stay in the pocket, find your man, read your reads, you know, first read, says third read. But now, if you've got three, four wide receivers going down deep, there's, and if you can pop through, you got no one in the next 10, 15 yards, maybe. Right. It's all grass. Sure. It's all green grass. And he made that run on the left side, and then I think he freaked out a lot of people when instead of going out of bounds, right. remember there were the two guys yeah, he came back in. containing him. They were yeah. going to push him out of bounds. He cut back, got by both of them, and uh, picked up another 10-yard, almost well, he had down two to blockers. The, down, he, had, yes. he had two blockers coming that way, and he right. knew that. He could see that they were coming, so he goes, well, I got help coming. I'm going to pause for a minute. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. He let them get in front of him, and then he took off the other way. Now, again, back in the day, the injury factor, you know, if a, uh, you know, back in the old days, the quarterback would try to run the ball. And three big guys are trying to take his head off with an elbow. Right. They didn't even have the slide rule when you and I were first watching Fred. Right. And then it wasn't until recently with no blows to the head. Are you more apt to get in a quarterback? Is a quarterback, I have no idea what the answer is. Is a quarterback more apt to be injured behind the line of scrimmage or or downfield? I'd probably say downfield. Well, because he's he's not he's not stationary. He's right? kind of moving, and all things are moving, and get hit. But he can get hit a little bit harder. He can slide. Yeah, he can slide, and and they can't hit you in the head. How well, many times have you seen Trubisky slide? Well, not much. He slides forward sometimes instead of sliding yeah, with his feet. Yeah, you're gonna break right. You know, collarbone that way, right? But maybe the old thinking is no longer there that to run the ball as a quarterback, if you're smart and you slide. Or you get out of bounds, which you didn't have to do. But they can't take your head off. They can't pile on and spear you in the ribs. All the stuff that used to say, don't ever run, that's not there anymore. Well, but once you take off, once you pass the line of scrimmage, you're a running back. So, you know, as long as you're not doing uh, anything uh, illegal, you can still hit the guy. All right. Oh, wait. But you can still slide. 
forward. The quarterback. He can still slide forward, but if he slides... Wait a minute. Feet first, you mean? Right. Oh, but if you don't... Oh, I went. I didn't know this no, You can always get hit. You're a running back. AT, you take off. You're a running back. You, you're free game once you leave the line of scrimmage. Oh, wait a minute. But if you slide feet first... Then they can't hit you. Okay. Once you start to but slide. But if you slide any, like, head first... Yeah. Then you can get yeah but, okay, but you still can't get hit in the head. No, no, nobody's well, supposed to get still hit, in the hit head. you, but you can yeah, fly. Unless you're Baker Mayfield, you get hit in the head. They don't call it. Mm-hmm. So, All right. All right. hey, you're looking for that uh, neighborhood gem of a restaurant? It's a gorgeous Saturday night. Looking for a place to go, cozy atmosphere, great menu. Well, not easy to find. Well, I got some advice for you. Go to Vincentori. That's right, Italian cuisine served in a casual trattoria. Setting in the heart of downtown Westmont, right there just north of the train station on Cass Avenue. Vincitori's menu features exquisite pasta, seafood, steak, also veal, chops, salads, all freshly prepared daily. How do you featuring... pronounce this now? The, the restaurant, how do you pronounce it? I'm saying Vincitori because that's what they tell all me. Right, They're telling Vincitori. me. Vincitori. I, I never did. All right. I always said Vincitori, but you know, Bob, go in and Chef Bob will tell you how to say now it. Now, your lovely white Pat's Italian, my lo- lovely Dana's yep. Italian. We could ask them, right? Yep. Well, we How's could. How's it spelled? How's it spelled? It is V I N C I T O R I. That would be Vincitori to an Irish guy like me, but it's Vincitori. Vincitori. All right. That's right. And they've got owner and chef Bob. His individual ah. style Hi, makes Bob. some great stuff. Head on over to Vincitori tonight. Feast on some incredible Italian dishes. Tantalizing wine. Reservations. Info. Salivating. Photos. Head over to Vincitori.com. That's V-I-N-C-I-T-O-R-I.com. Jesse Rogers in a few minutes. We got Bears guests coming up throughout the day. Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. Hey, before Jesse comes on, I'd like you to vote right now on the uh, Twitter poll question. Joe Madden will replace Ricky Renteria again someday in the future. Hmm is A, B is why not, C is your nuts, Murph, N-U-T-Z. Or cray cray. Oh, that's a great idea. Vote now. Jesse coming up in a few minutes. How long is this segment right now? <laughs> what is the next commercial? Back in a flash, Murphy and Fred, ESPN 1000. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. About, uh, what, seven minutes away from Jesse Rogers. Around 1030, Aaron Lemming for a few minutes. Does a great job uh, covering the Bears. Windy City, Gridiron, and the Bear Report. Dan Schunk, our guy from our lads, 40 years in the business, scouting college uh, and for uh, pro teams. Get his handle on uh, the much-debated topic, Fred, you know, how long... uh, for a rookie quarterback, a second-year guy. So we'll have all that coming okay. up in a few minutes. Um, but a little Yurko. You got 30 seconds for some oh, Yurko. Always. Uh-huh. Yurko. Worked, worked with Yurko yesterday. Over with at, Yurko. Uh, yeah, I like that. Over at uh, the wonderful uh, the Scout Waterhouse and Kitchen over on 1301. Yeah, it's That's a great, great place to go yeah. when you're going to a Bears game. Like yeah. tomorrow, mm-hmm. park your car near there. You can take the bus on over there from yeah. there. It's a wonderful place. I heard uh, the boss uh, was there. Uh, and yep. someone said, make sure he picks up the tab for lunch. Yep. Okay. Uh, they got the best grilled cheese. They make grilled cheese about 12 different ways. It's grilled amazing. cheese very underrated. Yep. 
I used to win grilled it's cheese. Foot long, foot long grilled cheese. I don't know oh. where they get these loaves wow. of bread with mm-hmm. a with a foot long loaf of bread, but it's great. I used to win grilled cheese cook off contests, like okay. chili. Yeah, cook-off. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was the only one entered. Oh, okay. But I love my own grilled cheese because who doesn't? I was explaining yesterday that. I only made one grilled cheese once. Usually my wife makes it. And I made it and I screwed it up because I got butter all over the place. My wife goes, you're not making it right. Something's wrong. So I'm going to try it again maybe later today. If you want to make a good grilled cheese, you got to have the real butter. Yeah. you got to use butternut white bread. Uh-huh. And you got to use Velveeta cheese. Oh, that's not really cheese, Murph. It's plastic. Yeah. I'm just saying. I if go you want to win go with the, the contest, Velveeta. I go with the American because the right. uh, millennials are, are turning away from American okay, cheese. Okay, that'll lower the price. It, well, it should. Well, well, or raise the price no, because no one's buying no, it. No, less demand. Yeah, we'll less see. Less demand. All right, here's Yurko. Yurko talking about Leonard Floyd. When's he going to start producing? Is he ever going to start producing? That's the uh, Bears uh, outside linebacker, basically. On the line there, the other side of Khalil Mack. Good old number 94. Mm-hmm. Yurko on Floyd. And let me just say this. Yurko has been saying this. Tip of the hat, John, if you're out there. Yurko's been saying this from day one that he was drafted. So this is not, you know, jump on the guy while he's down. Right. John, Yurko has said this from day one when Floyd was drafted with the number one pick. I think they moved up to the seventh slot or whatever. But let's listen to Yurko still and now even more definitive. He's too slight to play the defensive end position. He's got, he's got to take on running backs. He's got to maybe take on tight ends to have a chance to get to the quarterback. He has to be unblocked and unaccounted for to get to the quarterback. And he's not fast enough to get around tackles. And once they get an arm on him, he's done. Last at year, critical eye. Floyd utilized a lot of spin moves. And with those spin moves, he created himself a little way to get away from the offensive lineman. Oh, I haven't seen spin move. I haven't seen it. Maybe he doesn't feel confidence without the hand. We'll see as you move forward. Problem is, every once in a while you spin, you spin yourself right out of the place. You have to be careful. He's going to spin himself right out of the league in a couple more years. I know he's got the bad hand. We'll see. Nothing yet has shown that he's the first-round pick. No, no. Uh, The first-round picks of Ryan Pace haven't been shown Mm -hmm. much. But uh, it was nice to see Kevin White was actually targeted a few times. Last week, including that big Hail Mary. So, Oh, you're looking at uh, next hour Twitter poll. It's funny. His his first target, <laughs> there was a penalty, so he didn't get credit That's for the true. target. Vote right now. Kevin White, how many targets, not catches. Oh, by the way, remember last week? Uh, Khalil Mack was our Twitter poll. Yeah. How many times will he touch Tom Brady? Maybe he shook hands with him once. I don't yeah, know. I think I know. I voted zero. Yeah. Uh, one, two, or three plus. He touched his shoulder pad once. There you go. Right. So vote right now. Kevin White, how many targets, how many times will they at least try to throw the ball to good old number 11? And the answers are zero, one, two, three or more. Jesse Rogers next. Stick around. Then we'll get back on the Bears beat. Fun day. Busy day. Glad you're with us. Vote at ESPN 1000. Uno, One minute away from Jesse Rogers. How you doing, everybody? Murph and Fred, hour number two. 
A lot of Bears talk in the first. Darla, you want to switch over a little? Well, we covered the World Series, too, Fred. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. We did. And, uh, heck, it went out. We didn't cover it nearly as long <laughs> as it went on. It went on for seven hours no. and 20 minutes. Let's do seven hours and 20 minutes of breaking down the World Series. I'm just happy that uh, I'm just happy the Dodgers won. 3-2 Max Muncie with a home run, walk-off homer. Only one other walk-off homer in Dodgers uh, history for the World Series. Uh, Rick uh, uh, Gibson, Kirk Gibson. Kirk Gibson. Gibson. Of course, right. of course. Uh, let's bring in first Felix, the the kid. Felix, what the fans vote here on our Twitter poll? Jesse's on hold listening in. I don't know. I just had a, a wild hair, you know where, and I said, uh, the question is Joe Madden. Uh, will replace Ricky Renteria again sometime. And uh, A, uh, vote was, hmm, let me think about it. B, why not? C, you're cray-cray, Murph. You're nuts. Or D, that's a great idea. All right, let's bring in Felix. What the fans say? I have no idea. All right, 67% say you're nuts. All Murph. right, but that means 33% didn't. Ah, uh, 15% 34%. say why not. Uh, 12% say great idea, mm-hmm. and then 6% say hmm. Well, Fred, you're the White Sox. Thank you, Felix. You're the White Sox fan. He has replaced him once. Uh, would he ever replace him again? I would hope not. Let the record show. Fred says I hope not. I take somebody else. Let's again, again, talk. again. Managers, we'll see how uh, how 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 important <laughs> it is for for uh, Alex Cora. See how see how those guys are today after all the changes to he made yesterday. Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning, Murph and Fred. Good to talk to you guys. It's only been, what, two weeks? Uh, Jesse, we couldn't go three weeks without you. You know that. Fan Santa, Jesse Rogers, ESPN 1000 baseball guy, covers the Cubs, covers all of baseball. So I watched the entire game. I tried to fall asleep in the 9th, 10th, 11th. I tried to fall asleep in the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th inning. I started with a boom, shakalaka, home run. It was a, a long game, and we're not going to get into that topic because it's been uh, grilled over, well done. But uh, put it this way, if you were a Los Angeles a Dodger fan, it was worth staying well up worth for. Well worth it. Yes, yep. well, worth, well it. worth it. Jesse, I just threw out the Twitter poll, a little goofy maybe, uh, but it's a bigger picture, you know. And uh, Joe Madden, as we all know, replaced Ricky Renteria once. The interesting thing, both... Fellas, both managers in Chicago, Madden and Renteria, are in the final year of their contract. I know it's probably one in a million. I'm not advocating it. Just doing a little sports talk. But uh, what do you think would happen both on the south side with Renteria finishing up his third year and Joe Madden uh, on the north side finishing his contract up this year? Uh, Any thoughts on the uh, White Sox, the rebuild? It's exactly at the point where Theo said, well, thank you, but uh, see you later to Rick Renteria. That is a fact. It's the same time frame. Yeah, it is. I think it's an extremely important year for Renteria. Maybe that's an obvious statement to make, but you don't build, let's just say, we'll use this terminology, you don't build a Rolls Royce and hand the keys to someone that can't drive it. So, uh-huh. and I'm not saying, I'm not saying Ricky can't. Sure. Uh, this is, this is a year for the White Sox to find out 
Now, I don't think the Cubs found out anything about Renteria because as soon as Joe Madden became available, they, they jettisoned him. They, I don't think they gave him the chance to drive that Rolls Royce for a year. The players were still, you know, sort of coming up through the system. So here's Ricky with a lot of them at the major league level, a huge year for him. They will be watching his every step if they're doing their job, talking about Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn. If they think he can handle it, despite whatever the record is, then maybe you know they'll re-sign him. If they think they have to move on to someone that can bring more out of the players, maybe have a little bit more on their resume like Joe had coming out of Tampa Bay. I don't think your, your thought is crazy, Murph, as, as, as weird as it would be, the idea that Joe is very good with young a young team, I think that's been established. So in a vacuum, it makes a lot of sense. Now, there's so many moving parts. Sure. Who knows where, where Joe and Ricky will end up. But in theory, what you're talking about is not crazy. I mean, it happened with the Cubs. They replaced an inexperienced manager with, a, with an experienced one. Now, Ricky has more experience, but not with that Rolls Royce. He still is, has all the experience with these young up-and-coming teams. Can he handle it with the egos and everything else? Yeah. Maybe this is this is a year to start to find out at least. Do you really, do you really think? Um, I don't know the whole thing with Madden and the, and the Cubs. I have no idea when they would consider moving him or moving on from him, or does it take another season where they go out in the playoffs early, or you know what what it would take to move on from him? And and you know who else would be the next guy to come in here? I think the next guy has got to be someone that they would mold the classic, you know, David Ross type, Brandon Hyde, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I am not in the Joe Girardi camp. I, this is my personal opinion. I don't think Theo is in the Joe Girardi camp. Personal opinion. I have no inside information. I just don't think he's his type of guy. I think his next one is that young, up and coming guy he can mold, someone like a Ross, which is a, you know, who knows? It might be him and himself or someone else. Um, that's that's my feeling in terms of, of Joe's staying power. I mean, I think it's kind of obvious if he does something special again, and you know, you can define what that means. He'll probably get a little extension. Um, otherwise, this will be his last year. I, I think that I've even come around to thinking that Theo's probably after five years that he, w- whether they make the playoffs again or not, a new voice might be just just in any scenario might be in order. A new voice in any. Uh, manage in this day and age it just might uh-huh. be time after five six years yeah. so that that's kind of my feeling it's kind of the obvious uh-huh. statement if they get off to a slow start who knows maybe he doesn't finish the year but i think that unless he does something special yeah so this could very well be his last year but i don't know i don't know that for all sure. right well i've been saying for months i don't think joe girardi is going to get another job i don't think he wants the pay cut the managerial jobs as we all know fellas uh the price is coming down if even if theo offered a two-year extension to joe it's going to be at a pay cut. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, I don't know. Wait, let me jump in. Right. I don't know about that. Right. I don't know about pay cuts. Okay. Instead of a pay cut, mm-hmm. you only get one or two years. There's the trade off. Sure. I'm going to give you six, six million, right. but you're only getting a year or two out of me. I don't know about, I don't think you cut a manager's pay. That's pretty insulting. All right. Now, I don't think, well, I'm, I can guess that Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't have a six million dollar budget for his next manager. However, look at the PR hit. Now, let me ask Fred. Take away the point that the side that maybe you don't like his act or his strategy. That, but just from a mark, you know, pretend you're rather than Brooks Boyer at uh-huh. this time. Nothing to do with, you know, is he a good manager or not? This guy's name, it's high profile, a public relations move. Could you imagine? Just say, you know, this is why I think it's 
99%, but not 100% impossible, Jesse Fred. Just imagine, you wake up one morning at the end of this next year, Joe Madden signs three-year deal with White Sox. The town would go crazy. That's all I'm saying. I just Fred. don't know. I just don't know how many baseball fans get turned on by a new manager. Uh, I mean... I think it would be more, you know, it's more exciting if they got another player or if they made another big move or if they signed somebody else and hopefully it's not Manny Machado. Um, I think that I'm gonna would... di- Fred, I'm going to disagree a little bit because you have to go back to the moment that Dusty Baker was hired, the moment that Joe Madden was hired. You get that when you get a guy that's that's had something on his resume, you do get a little burst of excitement there. I mean, when they jettisoned Renneree and, and hired Madden, every Cub fan thought that was a bold, bold move. Because they had backed uh, Renteria publicly, but they went out and got a better one. So I'm not saying you sell out the place for 81 home games, but I think you get a jolt. Now, but but back to your. But they also, but real, real quickly, Jesse, they yeah. also already had the players. Okay, they already right. had most of the players here already. So you know, I you know, I think that ultimately it's it's the you know there's going to be some excitement with the new manager because of what Joe Madden was able to do with the young guys, but the players were already there. I think the addition of players is more important than. I think, it depends on the, I think it depends on the manager. But back to your point, Murph, you know, five, six years ago, whatever, or three, four years ago, before they hired Renteria on the south side, I would have given you the cliche answer. Oh, the, the Sox aren't going to take a Cub retread. They're not going to hire someone that was with the Cubs. But they did that. They hired Renteria. Yeah, there was a gap in between, you know, a year gap, but they hired him. So I, 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 normally I might say, oh, the Sox aren't going to do that because he was a Cub guy. But why wouldn't they? They made a trade with the Cubs. They hired their former manager. So I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility if both managers' contracts are up and they feel like Madden is the best guy to take this young team to the next level. I don't think it's that crazy. I really don't. As as as, as uh, improbable as it might exactly. be. Exactly. Visiting with Jesse Rogers. We'll be back on the Bears beat. Bottom of the hour. Got a couple of great Bears guests coming up. Uh, Jesse, this is the seventh uh, year now for Theo Epstein. Would you? Would it be uh, safe for me to proclaim and say this? This will be Theo Epstein's biggest winter meetings, biggest winter time for signing and trading, biggest retooling, however you want to phrase it. Uh, will this be his biggest year where he's got to do something above and beyond, or will it just match maybe any of the first six years? Yeah, you know, Cap asked me a similar question, I, I, and, and he was leaning towards the bigger, bigger impact offseason. I'm going to go with your second, your latter point. I, I think it's just going to be a, it's, it feels like it to us the way the year ended. But I think it'd be a big mistake to overreact when you win 95 games. You had one problem with this team, a big one, but it's only one. You had a, 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 an offense that went south, and it really only went south for about a couple months. You have to really figure that out. But but don't you're not overhauling your starting staff. You every year every team overhauls their bullpen a little bit. You sure. have to add something tomorrow at the back end. But you are overhauling parts of your offense. And for me, if you sign Bryce Harper and move on from Schwarber or Hap, that's a pretty good overhaul. So to, I don't think that's any more impactful than previous off seasons when you sign John Lester, you sign Jason Hayward, you sign you Darvish. The difference is he's never had to do work within the position player base in the winter. Now this is finally the year he's going to do that. So I think it's a similar year to previous ones. The difference is he's dealing with hitters, not pitchers. 
You know, Jess, I was talking to Murph upstairs before the show started. That and was it, our pre-show love fest. Yeah, a good friend of mine. A good friend of mine. I'll just call him Coach Pete. He was talking, and we were discussing the Cubs the other day and hitting coaches and all this kind of stuff. And launch angle, which we know Theo is a big fan of, and and Joe is a big fan of putting the ball in play. And if you watch enough of the Red Sox, you see that, especially in Game Two, they just put the ball in play. That's exactly what they do. Uh, hold that thought, Fred, and then back to Fred Jesse. Fred, this was a soundbite uh, from World Series game number one on Wednesday. Dan Schulman, the great play-by-play man, and he touched on this topic right here. Short soundbite, talking about the Red Sox. And Jesse, you've covered the hitting coaches, the Chili Davis, everything behind the scenes, so I know this is up your alley. Then back to Fred. Here's Schulman, Wednesday, game one, talking about the Red Sox. And if you watch a lot of American League Baseball or have seen the Red Sox, you know this, is that in certain counts and certain moments, there is a distinct change of approach for the Red Sox. Maybe it's two outs, maybe it's two strikes, maybe it's runner a third, less than two outs, that sort of thing. But the Red Sox are not up there all the time just trying to hit the ball over the monster. I mean, they've got some pot, but they do adjust depending on the situation, which many teams do not do anymore. And I would think that's exactly what Joe Madden has been yelling for two years. And, you know, not yelling, but I, I, I call it yelling when he keeps saying that they just got to move the ball around and they haven't done it. I got a feeling Madden's on one page and Theo's on another. But the reason that my buddy Coach Pete had mentioned it, we were talking about Ian Happ and I went and looked. Ian Happ's strikeouts have gone up from 35% last two years ago to 43% this year. He seems like a guy that they're saying, listen, we want you to worry about launch angle. When we heard about Ian Happ, we heard he was a hitting machine, a guy that got on base, a guy that kept hitting the ball all over the place. All of a sudden now he's striking out like crazy because probably they're trying to get him to increase his launch angle and hit the long ball. He was supposed to be like a Ben Zobris guy, a, a Pete Rose, don't get me wrong, but that type of switch hitter that can drive the gaps. Well, yeah, let me let me address it all. And I heard that live when Shulman mentioned that. I was listening to the game on the radio, and I immediately started, you know, thoughts started going through my mind because that is the stuff that Chili Davis brought to the Red Sox and to a certain extent right. brought to the Cubs. This is, I hope I'm using the word irony right, this is the irony of the whole situation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the problem with the Cubs is they drafted a certain type of hitter that, and, and we have evidence now, that isn't, as capable as you'd like to adjust to what a guy like Chili Davis was preaching. The Red Sox, that stuff was Chili Davis. But at the end of last year, 17, they were, they were doing too much of that and not enough of the home run thing. Finally, in 18, the Red Sox became the offense that the Cubs want to be. Dynamic. Home runs and that other stuff, like Dan was saying, uh, uh, change your approach. The Cubs want to do that. I think the problem is the Cubs drafted hitters that are not able to do that completely so in in hiring Iaposi, they are they're almost going back to the old way saying look we did pretty well the old way if we can go back to the old way and improve on that a little bit in other words don't be 28 in baseball getting a man home from third with less than two outs right be like you were last year be 20th but then get back to the home runs and, and so it's the bottom line is you, you you sometimes can't change who hitters are, I don't think, especially in this day and age with the shifts and the analytics. So if the Cubs drafted sluggers, they may have to go back to that. Maybe the Red Sox have hitters that are a little bit better at understanding, you know, the whole game and the approach and everything else. And that's the irony. Uh, Davis got fired from two jobs where he actually 
helps in the right. areas that he's good at. He yeah. did what he he's was supposed to. Correct. He did what he was supposed to yeah. do. Yeah. Now, let's stay on Fred's topic real quick. Visit with Jesse Rogers. Final couple of minutes. Always great to visit with Jesse. Bears talk coming up in a few minutes. Let's stay on the Ian Happ. And, Fred, you mentioned this upstairs in the pre-show Love Fest also. Jesse, Fred, when Ian Happ was signed or drafted, rather, you know, number six, number eight, whatever... I would never envision that he was a, a, the home run hitter right. guy, like we touched on a minute ago. I thought his mother, Ben Zobra, switch hitter, multiple positions, line drives. He has two glaring, even a guy like I can see, holes in his swing. He can't hit the high heat, and a lot of guys can't. Well, and, we're seeing that in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. yeah, pitchers are starting to throw the ball high, and no one's hitting it. And that, that change-up down or slider down, he swings. Now, that change-up slider down, he does his Big, like home run cut, uppercut loft. Right, and misses right. the ball by two feet. Now, did I follow him in college? No. I have the impression. You did, but then there's a, there was a restraining order. So you that's right. <laughs> I have the impression that if you looked at his swing, and there's, I'm sure you can pull it up. Some, Jesse, you're the guy. Someone ought to do this. How about you? You're doing nothing today. <laughs> Just, why don't, I'd love to see his swing. Back at, uh, where was it, University of Cincinnati? Cincinnati. Yeah. I'd like to see his swing then. And have they fouled him up? Fred just pointed out his strikeouts ballooned up, where normally your second year you'd think they would balloon down. But whatever, sophomore slump, maybe that's not correct for me to say. But it looks like this kid's either either so bad or so screwed up mentally. Right, right. Now, now, the other side of that, Murph, is Addison Russell. John Maley gets a hold of Adam right, Russell right. and has this unbelievable year in 16 with all this power. Now, maybe Ian Happ was an unfinished product because Maley left, and all of a sudden he's caught in between. Am I supposed to be this Chili Davis guy, or am I supposed to be the John Maley guy? You know, and and I, I think you're right. The launch angle was a little bit different in, in college. But this is, what, this is what John did with guys because he believes in hitting over the shift, not – through it now, and, and he'll he will, and I'm talking about Maley. He will say it doesn't mean hitting home runs; it just means hitting line drives. As the line drives get over the sh- you know over the fence, that's great. But it's not all home runner bust. Yeah, yeah, but I you mean, say line. Excuse me, that. line drives yeah. uh, is are not home runs usually, unless you really hit it right on the right, screws right. and you hit a two iron you know right over the wall. Point is, right. you can't yeah. see they. A lot of hitters they expect very few guys can hit both ways. Fred Jesse, where you can hit for power on no balls, you know, on two balls, no swing, and then when you're behind an account, now you got a different swing and uh, you know situational line drive oppo. Rizzo's one of them. Well, I, I mean I, Rizzo because he, right, yes. he chokes right. up and he's actually and and to be honest with you, there were times this year and I couldn't believe it, but there were times this year that Jason Hayward actually figured that out. Not yeah, many, but he, there were times. Yeah, you guys are right. You, and I think the Red Sox have a group of hitters that are able to do both. Joe would like his team to do both, but I think Theo realized at the end of the day he only has a few that can actually be taught this stuff. I mean, I keep going back to Schwarber as kind of the poster child yeah. for everything we're talking about. And the, and the idea that this team was awful at fastballs. It's like they, they were so caught in between. They didn't know if they should be slugging or hitting behind the ball the right. other way. They're, 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 all the they're giving these guys so much to do. Do this, do that. That's not you. We want you to do this. And it backfired. I, t- I think I talked to you uh, uh, when the season ended, but certainly since the last time we talked, I've talked to a lot of people sort of associated with the Cubs and their hitting. I'm talking about a player, like a player's personal hitting coach. I've talked to these, um, specifically Cubs hitting coaches, you know, the personal guys they go with in the winter. And 
a lot of them say the same thing. There's a lot of paralysis by analysis. There yep. is a little bit too much information. There is a little bit too much change this, change that. I mean, a guy like Schwarber, for me, go back to what made you the number four pick in the draft, mm. and let's see how it all plays out, right? Yeah. I mean, that, you had a great eye, and you were a great slugger. Go back to that. Now, his batting average will still be a little bit low because in the majors they have these great analytics, the shifts, they put you exactly where you're going to hit it. So, yeah, but in general, if he goes back to what he was in college or whatever, I think he's going to be a better player. But they're always trying to get a little bit more, and I think there's been a little bit too much information, as you just mentioned, uh, Murph. Great yeah. stuff with Jesse. Final thing, Jesse, spring you on your busy day. Just got Jesse's out by his garage, hawking his great book, <laughs> Try Not to Suck, available everywhere and on Amazon. He'll autograph. If you give him a, a, a less money, then he'll autograph it for you, personalize well, it's it. Because it's yes. worth less with my autograph. <laughs> well, there it's you go. Less. Now you read me. Uh, and your book is terrific. I will get one soon. <laughs> Jesse, last thing. Let's say tomorrow yeah. the Cubs say, yeah, we're signing Harper. We're signing Harper. Yeah. All right. Center, left field, center field. Let's say they keep Schwarber just to make it easy, okay? Where does, uh, who plays center, who plays right? Uh, the uh, Jay Hay kid, uh, Jason Hayward, uh, and you got Harper. Everyone says one thing, you know me, Mr. Oppo. It's not as yeah. easy as just a snap answer. Think this out. Now you have five seconds. Yeah. Well, who plays well, center, who plays answers. right? Yeah, I'm going to give you two answers. Right. Because you, you quickly said if they keep Schwarber. Mm -hmm. but I'm going to give you the answer. If they don't keep right. Schwarber, I'd, right. put, I'd put Bryce Harper in left. I'd put Bryce Harper in left. Hayward and right, and do whatever you want with Al Moore and Happ and every other guy you can find in center. You okay. know, that's what I would do if All they right. don't keep Schwarber. I like it. I like Schwarber, it. Yeah, if you keep Schwarber, it's a little bit more mm -hmm. complicated right. because, yep. of the in, because of the injury factor in center. Yep. I still think I'd put Harper there and try to tell him not to run into the Ivy too too hard, You know, explain to him what's behind that Ivy. Yeah. I think I'd put Harper in center and, yes. Hayward, and leave Hayward in right. You're, congratulations. You've just uh, won uh, caller of the caller show. Of the show? Uh -huh. Okay, but here's your problem, Jess. If yeah. you have an outfield of, of Schwarber, Harper, and Hayward, what happens when you face the tough lefty? Uh, you're already up 10 to nothing. <laughs> well, you better be because... You know, you know, you know. Joe likes to sit guys. I mean, uh, you go up, up yeah, against. Yeah, well, Harper, Harper's in the Rizzo category. He'll play. Yeah, Harper's every day. Left. He's the only one though. But then Joe would sit Schwarber and, and Hayward. Yeah, well, I'd like yeah. to see. I'd like to see Schwarber play against more lefties. I agree. So what? Good point. Good point. Now, see, and, and Hayward, you know, Hayward platoons with you know Zobris gets a shot out there at least for one year when he, his last year here. Zobris a little bit at second. Zobris in right. I mean, you're right. You have three lefty outfielders that pose yeah. a problem when Clayton Kershaw's See, on every, now, but right. yeah, everyone's you know. been everyone's been saying uh, Cubs get Harper, uh, then uh, all of a sudden you know Harper and Wright, Hayward and Sen let me tell you something, Hayward, he's the only guy I've ever known, fellas. It went from age twenty-seven to thirty-seven body-wise in one year, <laughs> one year, one year, and, and you know what? Take your analytics. In fact, I know we're up against Felix. I know we're running late. Here's the analytics. Now, this was our good buddy. Cap had a good point, all right? Here's Cap the other day talking about back when Theo signed Hayward. Listen in, because Cap's on to something. I'm saying to you that the day they signed Jason Hayward, the analytical people around baseball heralded the signing. The Cubs would get out of that deal tonight if they could. Tonight, $184 million. And you got to play the guy. Here's the key. The analytics people loved it. You know who didn't love it?
The baseball people. The baseball yeah, people. Right. I know right. a few baseball people. We all do. And I guarantee you, 90% of the baseball people said they gave how much to who? Because yeah. you can't just look at the analytics. You got to look at the guy the on the boots on the ground reports from your scouts. Look at his body. He's getting slower. He's getting older. Let me tell you something about Machado versus Harper. Which of those two guys, not the analytics, fellas, Jesse first and Fred, the analytics guys, no. If you look at Machado and Harper and they're both the same age, which guy's body looks to you like he's going to gain weight and be slow in about two, three more years? The same guy that didn't run out of double last night. Yes, (laughs) and he's not even overweight yet. Though he does look a little overweight, but he's got that brick body, the big brick body. Hey, 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 I understand what that means. (laughs) Fred, do you agree? Which guy's going to pack the weight on in four or five? So you got to look at stuff like that. I think both of them. I think think they're both. uh, Harper? Yeah, I think he could be there, too. No, no, I agree agree with Murph. And Murph, Murph, it reminds me a little bit, they're different bodies, but of Starling Castro, he was always on the verge of being overweight. And he never did, though. I just cried one year he Mm -hmm. came in a little bit. But but Manny always looks on the verge of it. I don't disagree with that. I, I started the offseason thinking Machado, and then I changed my mind quickly back to Harper. Yeah. I think they're going to really go after Harper. But if Boris is going to ask for the for the world, he, he, I don't know. I don't think they're going to get him because everyone that's signed with the Cubs is usually taking a little bit less. And if Boris wants to break records, I'm not sure Theo's in that in that game. There's not a lot of teams that have the dough to dish out yeah. for a guy like Harper and uh, or uh, Manny. Jesse, always a pleasure. I know we'll uh, catch up with you in December at the winter meetings, etc. But if anything breaks, you always are kind enough to have a few minutes for us on Saturday. Thank you, Jesse. You got it, guys. GM meetings first, Murph, in a yes. week or so. I'll be there in, in California, so I'll report uh, back. That'll be nice. Yeah, grab those cocktail napkins at 2 in the morning, and if you can read them <laughs> legibly, you can see all the trades that were almost made over a couple cocktails. Thanks, Jesse. How do you know, how do you, how do you know my nightly uh, <laughs> uh, affairs? It's amazing. Look, okay, here comes yeah. the bus boy. Wait, it's Jesse cleaning up the napkins. All right, buddy, thank you. Jesse Rogers. <laughs> Murph and Fred. Bears. I talk baseball all day long. This is fun, fun it baseball is. talk. It is. We'll be back on the Bears beat next. Hey, we got some Twitter polls we need you to vote right now at ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Halfway home on a busy Saturday morning. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. We always have to uh, show Fred uh, so he believes it. You know? I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in it unless I see it. Fred Hubner, the White Sox fan from good old Martin Easton, Cicero. Mike Murphy, the Cub fan from Lions Township High School in Grange. But let's shift over to a little Bears talk. We're one minute away from Aaron Lemming over there at uh, Bear Report in Windy City Gridiron. Uh, let's bring in Felix the Cat. Uh, producer of the Murph and Fred show, our number uh, seven, their Twitter poll. We have not set it up, but let's get the results, Felix. The question is of uh, the Ryan Pace, uh, his four uh, number one uh, picks so far. Which of Ryan Pace's uh, number one picks will have the best career? Simple question. And that would be uh, Kevin White, 2015, uh, Leonard Floyd, 2016. Mitch Trubisky, 2017, or drumroll, please. Okay, it would be uh, Roquan Smith, 
2018. Now, if Kevin White gets one vote, I would be shocked. <laughs> and also, there should be a drug test or whoever <laughs> picks him. I can't wait to they, give out the results. Do they, do they still do those? Some people do, and they should. <laughs> they haven't been Canada to Canada. Doesn't do they any. Haven't been to Carbondale yet. Yeah, I guess. Canada doesn't do any anymore. All right, which number one pick of the four that GM Ryan Pace has had so far will end up when it's all said and done uh, with the the best career in order of uh, draft dates? Kevin White, Leonard Floyd, Mitchie True, and uh, Roquan Smith. Okay, let's be. Let's do this from the bottom up. What do you say? All right, I'll, for Fred, which came? Who came in last? I'll give you the bottom two. Uh-huh. Kevin White for, for sure. zero. So we have one <laughs> percent on Leonard Floyd. Kevin White has two percent. Okay, hold it. One percent for Leonard Floyd, less than Kevin White. Kevin White just said he's like basically oh my God. a flop. Okay, and then for the okay, other yes. two. Very close. Mm. We have 48% on Mitch Trubisky uh-huh. and 49% on Roquan Smith. Oh, that is very interesting. Let's go to the celebrity line. Let's go to a Windy City Gridiron and the Bear Report. He always has a few minutes for us. Does a great job. He's Aaron Lemming. Mike Murphy here, front alongside. Hey, Aaron. Hey, guys. How's it going? Aaron, how would you answer that question? It's it's got to be it's got to be Trubisky, doesn't it? Or you think Roquan Smith will eventually have a better career? I think it's got to be Trubisky. I, I really do. I think he's going to end up. I, I think you got to look at position value in this. I mean, as, if for as good as Roquan Smith can be, I think if Trubisky's even slightly above average, I think you got to give it to him as far as value goes. Mm-hmm. Aaron, the Fred, let's uh, dig in a little deeper on number one draft pick this year, Roquan Smith. I know, Fred, uh, you have some uh, notes on this also. Aaron, uh, I have a, uh, a couple uh, paragraphs here from one of your uh, counterparts. Does a great job at the Sun-Times, uh, Adam Johns. Adam, this week, Johns talking about Roquan Smith. Last week, uh, the uh, loss to the uh, Patriots. All right, here we go. The Bears' coverage plan uh, for Tom Brady meant using a five-man front. Now, that we all know would be the three defensive linemen and both outside linebackers. You know, usually uh, a Leonard Floyd and on the other side, that uh, Khalil Mack. So the Bears' coverage plan for Brady, uh, Aaron Lemming, was uh, the five-man front and... Uh, not much playing time for linebacker in the middle, Roquan Smith, as uh, uh, Trevathan got most of the play in the 5-1-5 defense. Adam Johns continues, <clears throat> excuse me, says it was a very interesting decision. In other words, not to play Roquan Smith. He was drafted eighth overall because of his speed and his coverage abilities, among other talents. Here we go. He was on the field 55% of the defensive plays. Your number one draft pick, in other words, on the field uh, 35 times, 55% of the defensive plays. Would you say, Aaron, and then Fred, would you say that the number one draft pick would be on the field only about uh, 55% of the time that the defense is on the field? That's my question to you, Aaron. Well, I think it was it wasn't a good idea, at least in my opinion. I, I understand somewhat of what they were doing, but if you watch the Patriots at all this year, and especially what they did in the Bears game, they tacked a lot short. 
And when you have guys like Danny Trevathan and you have guys like, uh, sorry, Roquan Smith uh, that can cover very well as linebackers uh, versus guys like Lil Mack, who has a, uh, a banged-up ankle right now, and Leonard Floyd, who is okay in coverage. He's athletic, but he's more of a pass rusher and kind of a do-it-all guy. I just don't think it really made a lot of sense. So I think it was, I think it was a mistake personally. So you would have had you would have sat one of the what in, uh, interior linemen, or you would have sat uh, made... Trevathan. He had to sat Trevathan, right? Or what? No, no. I would have. I would have. If it was me, I would have a Keen Hicks and Eddie Goldman on the field. You could you could rotate uh, Bilal Nichols in there, but I would have had two two down linemen, and then your two outside linebackers actually rushing the passer, and then your uh, two inside linebackers uh, covering over the middle. That was, okay. That's what I would have done. Okay. All right. Uh, next little note here. Love to get your thoughts, fellas. Aaron, uh, a week ago, right about this time, we were breaking down the uh, well, the, the tape from the Dolphins' loss, and the TV guys twice pointed out the uh, flags were for illegal formation, not covering up the tackle. That was, you know, Dolphins game. And both times it appeared to be, and called out by the TV guys once, was uh, Kevin White. It's pretty basic. Most fans know you have to have seven men on the line. And uh, Kevin White didn't realize to step up and, you know, step on the line or whatever. Now, this was, uh, again, an occurrence. The Bears were called uh, Sunday against the Patriots for their sixth. That's one more than five. Their sixth illegal formation penalty this season, uncovered tackle. What are your thoughts in general? Who's to blame? No one's to blame. A rookie team, new offensive scheme. Uh, seems like that shouldn't still be happening, Aaron. Well, I think you got to look at it, and you got to look at uh, Matt Nagy's offense right now, which is a very complex offense, and it's asking not only the quarterback to do a lot of different things, it's asking the receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen, I mean, even half the time, uh, Chase Daniels getting out there gets the snaps. So right. I think sure. that right now, it's, I think a lot of this is, I don't know if I blame it on coaching. I think it's more execution on the players' part. I mean, this is just, it, it's simple things, like you said. I mean, you got to have seven guys on the line. And I think, really, that's kind of one of the reasons that guys like Kevin White haven't been getting as much playing time. Because in this offense, you have to have the little details down. And hmm. that's something that we've seen that they sometimes don't have or they have a lapse in judgment. I mean, obviously it's still early in this offense, but I would definitely say this is more, uh, you know, execution and details on the players' part than this is on the coaching part. I mean, they can't have these guys, they can't line up for them. Uh, and I think that's really what this comes down to. I mean, the players have to know what they're doing. Uh, they've dialed back the playbook. And like I said, I, just, I think this is more on the players having to think a little bit more and, and maybe uh, just clean things up. Aaron, you can follow Aaron Lemming uh, at Aaron Lemming, L-E-M-I-N-G-N-F-L. Uh, I was following some of your tweets, and you would, you for this game against the Jets, you would sit both Mack and Robinson and get them more healthy because obviously after this week and then after Buffalo, they're going to need these guys when they play You know, teams like Detroit and Minnesota and then again Detroit on Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I was a little concerned going into Miami, and I mentioned it ahead of time. The Jets were really actually not bad against Minnesota last week until the second half of the game. Are you confident that without Mack and without Robinson, the Bears can win this game? Or do you just think that it makes more sense to get these guys as close to 100% as possible? Well, I think the Bears can absolutely win with both players at their current state. So at least from what Matt Nagy said, I mean, obviously we'll have to see what happens Sunday if they play, but... 
Uh, Nagy said that they're about in the same place that they were this time last week. So right. if that's the case, I mean, you're, you're talking very minimal impact on both sides. So at least to me, it makes more sense to rest these guys, especially a guy like Alan Robinson. You look at him, uh, groin injuries. I mean, we saw the same thing happen with Cutler. Uh, now you're asking a receiver to go out there, run all of his routes, do what he needs to do, block uh, with with a bad groin. And then the same thing with Cleo Mack. It's, it's one of those situations where the Bears, in my mind, have to win the next two games. But I don't think that even even for as good as players as Robinson and Mac are, I don't think them at 50 or 60% uh, what they were last week, really. I don't think that really gives them much value right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, uh, we're up against the clock. We'll spring you loose on your busy day. Let's catch up in a few weeks more leisurely when we uh, have a little more time to spend with you. But uh, great job. Check out Aaron uh, at uh, Windy City Gridiron the Bear Re- and the Bear Report. And where do we have him also, Fred? Follow him. You can follow me uh, on Twitter, like I always do. Aaron Lemming, it's L E M I N G N F L, and uh, it's always a it's always a fun weekend. It's amazing, Aaron. We're already into week eight, and before we know it, the week's gonna the season's gonna be over with already. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy how fast things are going. But I appreciate you guys having ah. me on as always, and hopefully I get to talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for helping out today, Thanks, Aaron. Aaron, the Murph and Fred. Appreciate it, Aaron. See you later. Before we break, Fred, I wanted to touch on this, and when we come back, three three two three seven seven six. This might be a little convoluted, but I think it makes sense. All right. Let's say they do play Mac tomorrow. Okay. All right. I jotted this down so I wouldn't screw it up because it's just I want to read this to you. If the Bears believe, the Bears being the top guys, if the GM, the head coach, if the Bears believe they cannot beat the Jets without Mac. All right. Okay. Okay. If the Bears believe they can't, we cannot win this game without Mac. You know what that tells me? It says they believed they were going to go 0-16 coming into the season before they got Mac. Now, I know it sounds stupid, but think about this. If they're saying now to beat the Jets, we need Mac. Yeah. Hurt, 50%, 20%. Well, that's telling me they didn't know they were going to get Mac before the season. So this is telling me that they actually, what, felt that without Mac they couldn't, they can't beat the Jets, and yeah. the Jets might be the weaker or the weakest teams they have on the schedule, right? One of them. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the Jets. Jets are three and four. I mean, they've won games this year, so everyone picked them minus seven and a half. Yeah, and All by the, the way, every expert in town. Yeah, by the way, the Bears are zero and three the last uh, last three times uh, they've they've been giving up more than seven really? points, Good including one. including right. to Miami a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I I just think that. They feel that a lot of times when you have a player, you ask him. If he says he can go, he's going to go. And that's what it is in the NFL. Rarely do you sit a guy who says, I can play. And maybe it it may not be right. It it may not happen in other sports, but in football, it does happen a lot. And I know that there's been people this week that said, listen, I don't care if he can play or not. I'm resting him until he's 100%. Listen, if he wants to go on out and play, um, he thinks he can help the team. Then go on out there. But it was nice because Fangio said, listen, just because of whatever condition he's in, it shouldn't affect the other 10 guys on the field. Well, on that topic, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back with your results. Vote now if you haven't voted yet. Here's our question. Who has the most input on playing Mac? Who's got okay. the most input to make the decision? The four obvious choices are the head coach, the general manager, 
the medical team or Mac himself. Vote right now. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred till noon. Bears talk around the clock, and we'll pepper in some other items, maybe even back on the baseball beat. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Fred Hubner, let's bring in Felix the Cat. All right, uh, Felix, our Twitter poll question. We've been talking all day about, uh, you know, who should play if you're injured. Uh, the question is, who has the most input on allowing, you know, Matt can play? Who's got the decision? Is it the head coach, the general manager, the medical team, or Matt himself? Hey, man, I want to play. All right, uh, we have close voting there, Felix. Or? I, I think it's Mac himself, but that's that's my opinion. Interesting. I vote a general manager should have a hundred. I'm thinking it should be a hundred percent general manager. But Fred, you're uh, thinking yeah. is, is that how you would vote, or is that what you think the voting will be when you say that's that? how I would vote? All so, right, Mac yeah. himself. Yeah. Huh? I'm sure that's got a lot. What the fans say there, Felix? All right, interesting. You guys say that fifty nine percent are saying Khalil Mack has the most input. And then the least amount of input is at 8%, the GM. Well, I always enjoy and embrace <laughs> being out, out of step Charlie. I would hope the general manager says, you know what? That guy can't play. I don't care what y'all say. But what do I know? I'm just a fan. I think the GM just gives him, the, just gives him what he, uh, you know. Just gives him the players and he says, know. hey, listen, you just, here's the guys. I'm going to leave you alone. I, I guess. So. Uh, hey, when we return in a moment, some, uh, I think, good bears uh, inside. Dan Shonka is going to join us. 40-year man in the business. He scouts college for the pro teams. He projects players to be drafted, when they'll be ready to go, what their progression will be. A lot of talk all week, you know, sort of about Trubisky. Well, let's talk to a guy that really, as a living, projects the future. Back in a flash, it's Murph and Fred. It's ESPN 1000. One, two, three. Murph and Fred every Saturday, nine till noon. Hey, before we say goodbye, Fred, I want to talk about uh, FIFO and Philo. Okay, okay. the old accountants of first in, first out, right. first in, last out. But I want to relate it to uh, a parking lot over at the United Center. Okay. When I went to a Blackhawk game recently, gotcha. Never had a press pass. Uh, one minute away from Dan Shaka. Our uh, pro uh, uh, scout, college uh, scout uh, over at Our Lads. He knows them all. Sees them in high school, sees them in college, yeah. sees them in the pros. Yeah, everyone's trying to project yep. Trubisky. Let's talk to a guy that's really, uh, that's what he does for a living. But let's bring in executive producer Felix Reyes. Felix, uh, Twitter poll number two we presented uh, about an hour ago. Kevin White, how many targets... How many times will they throw the ball to him Sunday, tomorrow? And the choices are zero, one, two, or three or more. What the fans had to say. Everyone said, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, Alan uh, Robinson's a little dinged up with the groin. He should be out there. They're saying maybe yes, maybe no. This might be the time for Kevin White. Fred, I'm going to do the same thing I did with uh, projected last week. Touches of uh, Tom Brady uh, by uh, uh, Khalil Mack. And right. I said zero. 
and he touched the shoulder pads once. I'm going to say zero. I got no targets. They will not throw the ball to Kevin White. Uh, where do you go on this? I'm going to go three. Okay. Uh, same as he had last week. He, right. it, it's only listed as two, but one of them was a penalty. So I got a feeling that... Uh, you know, maybe he gained a little bit of confidence right. from that deep uh, Hail Mary catch, and yeah. I got a feeling uh, this is a good time to use him. Beautiful catch. Felix, what the fans say? All right. With the lead, it's at 44%. We have two. Okay. 27%. We have three plus. Uh-huh. 18%. We have one. And what I voted and for zero. 11% no! zero. I love it. I've been out of step Charlie my whole life, uh-huh. and heavily today. Continuing today. <laughs> hey, let's go to the celebrity line. Let's go to our lads.com. Hey, one of our favorite guys always has a few minutes for Murph and Fred. Dan Chonka. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> another nice day to uh, study college football and then get a warm-up for tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, we cover it all. We got the... Uh, <laughs> We now we don't do go to high schools, but we right. do cover those uh, oh, yeah. NFL guys. You know, but anyway, we're ready to roll. Now you don't do the high school guys, but I know that somewhere along the line, you know that you you know if there's a good high school player, you know. Uh, you know about him, so you know you. I, I, yeah. You know we can find. And the other thing is, <laughs> each and every week I do the NFL preview show with uh, Steve Michael McMichael on uh, Sunday mornings, and every week I go to our lads because you guys got the best uh, depth charts of the NFL teams are right there. People can track those down too. You got the depth charts of college teams. It's an awesome site, ourlads.com. dot com. Well, thanks a million. Now, well, I tell you what, we keep those babies up to date. One hundred and thirty uh, major colleges and all the. NFL uh, information we get daily, so we post it as soon as we get it. Let's uh, excuse me. Let's cut right to it, Dan Shanka. Everyone, you know, opinions on Trubisky are like uh, belly buttons. If you know, everybody has one, right? If you know what I mean. Now, you're not. You're nice. You say it very nicely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have a dump button right here, but I hate to use it. Now, let's say this, uh, Dan. You're a guy, and that yeah, you would never pat yourself on the back. But three, four decades, and you've worked for the uh, uh, pro football teams like the Eagles and the Chiefs over time. And uh, uh, one of your uh, great uh, jobs is looking at the college guys and then projecting where they will be. For instance, here in Chicago, Theo Epstein trying to answer why he projected Jason Hayward, you know, for a, uh, a seven, eight year mega contract. And now it's not working out. Projections. Before we get to Trubisky, not just you, but in general, uh, uh, scout for an NFL team before the draft. Uh, they've been watching the college guys. They've been watching the quarterbacks. What what do they look for? What do they see? What do they bring to the big table when they're discussing with the other area scouts? You know, this guy, I project him to be this in one year, two years, five years. Is, is that sort of how it starts? Before we get to Trubisky, give us a general picture. Well, I tell you, uh, Murph and Fred, what happens, it's changed, you know, over the years. When I first started scouting back in the late 80s, uh, you, you were looking for guys that you, you bring in behind a veteran quarterback, stall them away for a year or two, and then they'd be ready to go when your other guys uh, uh, ready to retire or what have you. Well, now uh, the money's so big, you get, you're looking at these guys, um, you know, when they're sophomores in college, and then you study them when they're juniors. And 
a lot of those guys come out when they're juniors, so you got to have some sort of a book on them, and, and sometimes the book isn't that big. Now, Trubisky, for instance, his book wasn't that big, but when he did play, he was super accurate. He's a guy that um, did a lot of good things in regards to his athletic. Uh, you know, he, he was a winner in Ohio, state championships in high school and things, and uh, so, you know, those – Everything goes into the uh, pie. There, there's a little pieces of puzzle that you know you put together. It's a jigsaw puzzle, and you put those things together. But things have changed over the years um, in regards to uh, development of those quarterbacks. And I think for some guys, it helps. Some guys hurt. I mean, look at Mahomes, for instance. Well, here's a guy that sat for a whole year, didn't play at all. He learned the offense. He knows the offense. And he comes out like gangbusters. You know, some guys got to get thrown in there early in play because they simply don't have anybody ahead of them that's, you know, good enough to win a game. So, mm. I mean, every, you look at these guys individually with their teams. I mean, it, you know, you can't put them all in a box. So you got 32 quarterbacks, and they do their things 32 different ways. Well, and you also look at, I mean, so many people, and I'm one of them, I don't like drafting quarterbacks high because I think if, in fact, you're drafting to help your team for the following year, drafting a quarterback isn't going to usually do that. And But the thing is, once you do draft a quarterback high, your fans and everybody else expects them to get in there and immediately help your team. What's your thoughts about drafting these guys? Because it is the most important position in sports, drafting them in the first round, even though the odds are they're not going to help you in their first year. You know, you're exactly right. It's very tough. And uh, But the thing is, you kind of look down the road, and for instance, uh, this year, this sounds crazy almost after five quarterbacks went in the first round last yeah. year, but this year there may be no quarterbacks in the first round if you're true to your to your evaluations. And let, you know, if Herbert doesn't come out, if Herbert comes out from Oregon, he's a legit first-round guy. Um, you know, Jones over at um, uh, Duke, he's got a chance to be. But, you know, I mean, then, then quarterback Haskins over at Ohio State, he's a legit first round. But, you know, none of those guys are coming out for sure. And uh, you may not have uh, – and, and all those other quarterbacks, I tell you what, I mean, they're backup guys, career backup guys. So there's really no other first round. But you're looking at these guys, like I said, for, you know, two years and how they do. Yeah. And now if there's a great one there. I mean, we were big Baker Mayfield fans from the get-go, you know, for two years. So we felt like he was a first-round draft choice, and we'd take him because he's a winner and everything else. And, uh, you know, Mahomes was. And then when Trubisky played his senior year, he looked like a guy that is certainly a, a, a top-level developmental guy because he was athletic. He could. He was a smart guy. He worked hard. His dad is, a, you know, is a uh, high school coach stuff. The kid knew what it was like and all that. So. There's a lot of you know arrows pointing up for him, and and um, he just didn't have the uh, luxury of setting for a year before he got to get in there and play. He had to get in there and play, and and that's a good thing too. But you take a beat and go after Peyton Manning, and you know any of those other. Hey, Troy Aikman. I want to tell you something. People thought Troy Aikman was a bust. All right, he's in the Hall of Fame right yeah. now. So uh, you know, but anyway, you got to take him. It, you know, there's just not many around. So I'll tell you what, that's why you got to take him in the first round. Dan Shanka, our lads, a couple of quick minutes, uh, ourlads.com, uh, college uh, scout for um, decades uh, for NFL teams in the past. I'm, I'm uh, intrigued by the projection. Let's uh, step back again about four minutes back. Which would be for you know the, the, the uh, evaluators like yourself watching college, for a quarterback, Dan, which would be tougher to project? 
two, three, four years how he will be physically or two, three, four years how he's going to be mentally understanding the schemes, learning the game. Is one more difficult to project than the other? Yeah, well, I tell you, I think physically, because depending on, you know, when you get drafted real high, chances are you've got a lot of holes on your team other places, and also ah. chances are it might be the offensive line. Hmm. So, you know, if you don't get any protection, you're going to get, uh, you know, whipped like a yard dog out there. So, you know, you've <laughs> got to be a tough kid. You've got to be strong. You've got to be able to take a hit. Now, and uh, just touching on Trubisky again, he's a guy that can take a hit. Uh, there's other guys out there that are really good quarterbacks, but they're slender-built guys, you know, like uh, RG3. I said that before he came out, and, and Washington gave all kinds of first-round draft choice up to, hey, this guy's going to snap like a twig. And, uh, you know, he had that mediocre, I call it, first year, even though he got rookie of the year, his defense really won it. But, hey, he's been hurt all the time, you know, and I worry about Watson because he's a slender-built guy. I worry about Bridgewater. Uh, you know, he's a backup now at New Orleans. He's a slender-built guy. Those guys just generally don't hold up physically. Now, mentally, Deshaun Watson is, is, uh, is strong mentally and studies as good as any quarterback in this league. But So I think the physical part is going to get him. And, and look at Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's big and strong, yep. but he didn't have an offensive line. He got, well, you know, beat like a pinata over there. <laughs> Dan, a minute or two back, talking, you were talking about Trubisky College. And I believe you, used, you said super accurate. Now, a lot of the uh, negatives are recently, at least from the pundits and the fans, boy, he's missing his guys. He's three feet high. He's, two feet, he's not hitting them in stride. But yet, you projected, or you saw him, not projected, I misspoke. You saw him as super accurate in college. Will that come back? How do you then answer why he's not super accurate, uh, many fans say, you know, now? Well, I think I think this that uh, first of all, it, it might be a dying breed on some teams, but a quarterback's got to work with those receivers uh, off the whole off season, and they're, so they're sharp. And when they when the quarterback cuts that ball loose, he knows and can and can count on those receivers where they're going to be. You know, let's face it, the, the receivers of the Giants—they've been uh, you know a potpourri at best. You know, out there, you know, got Allen Robinson this year, but you know, you don't build up a relationship. The guy, right? You know, when he comes in now, this is a, a over the, a, you know, a, a long process. Now, Tom Brady's been amazing, but you saw what happened when he didn't, he didn't have Edelman. Right. Edelman, he and, and Edelman, you know, boom, they're in, in and out, and the, the ball's there. And okay, that, that's fine. But when Brady didn't have him. Look what happened. You know, so you've got to be able to work with these guys. And he is. I mean, hey, he got out of bed. Trubisky was accurate. I don't care what anybody says. I, I know. You know, the, he's had a few ups and downs, but hey. And Mayfield threw for 80% in college because he knew where his receivers were going to be. Right now it's 54% because he, his they lead, Browns lead the NFL in drop passes. Huh. Okay, so you, you put some of that stuff right on those receivers and blocking and everything else. I know the quarterback gets a lot of credit and he gets a lot of, you know, kick in the rear end when they don't win, but uh, look around them too sometimes. 
Well, uh, one more thing, and that's we talked about Kevin White before you got on, and uh, you obviously saw Kevin White. He was, I think, it was projected as the second wide receiver in the draft when he came out. I think it was only Amari Cooper that was ahead of him. Um, what have you seen from Kevin White? I know it's been tough because he's been injured, but what can Bears expect? I mean, this, this is his last year of his rookie contract. He had a couple catches last week, including the one everybody saw in the Hail Mary. Um, should the Bears expect more from this guy now that he actually is healthy? Yes, they absolutely should because, uh, you know, and, and that, that was a scary thing now. He was a J.C. guy, didn't do much as a junior. Then again, he was the one-year wonder senior, ran fast, did all that stuff. Then he comes into camp, he's injured, da-da-da, and, you know, the rest of the story. Yeah. So, um, but, and, and then I, I tell you what, I was hoping he would, you know, fight his way in for that touchdown because he did move that pile yesterday or last week, yeah. you know, to, to get in for that touchdown, but he didn't quite get there. But that's the kind of guy he's got to play. When he gets that ball, he's got to be able to run after catch. He's got to be able to break tackles. I mean, he's big and strong, and uh, he can't be injured every time, you know, he straps on the headgear. He's just got to play healthy and, and uh, you know, I mean, some, but some guys, you don't really know sometimes if you don't have a big book on them if they're injury-prone guys. Because if you're, if you're injury-prone in college, you might as well forget it. You, you know, in the NFL, right. it's yeah. going to be a long hope. So, but White is, you know, I mean, he didn't show an injury history in college. And um, so, hey, now it's time for him to step up. He's had a, maybe he's had a bad luck. But, um, hey, hey, that you know, his luck's running out being an NFL player if he doesn't pick it up. Dan Shanker, we'll leave you with this quickie. So all the fans call in. I'm ready to make the evaluation final now on Trubisky. Or I'm going to wait till the end of the year. That'll be a year and a half. Others, It's not fair for three years. Maybe every guy's different. Don't get me wrong. When would it be, quote, unquote, fair for people to say, okay, I now think I know what Trubisky is? Well, they're wrong. Uh, if you Because, first of all, the other thing you've got to look at is your uh, coordinators. you got a new head coach with a new system, and all that stuff takes time to develop. And uh, so here, here Nagy, you know, is in there now with his new system, and uh, that thing, it, it, well, look at uh, Mahomes. It took him, what, a whole year uh, on the bench to, to, see, to learn that offense, the things down in Kansas City. Uh, but I, I, I tell you what, Trubisky is going to be a good NFL quarterback. Will he be a superstar? Hey, only time will tell. Some of those guys, uh, they don't pop loose till three or four years. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Hey, he didn't do anything for three years, you know, and he's maybe the best quarterback in the league, arguably. So um, it just it takes its time. And I tell you what, uh, people got to take a step off the ledge, back up. <laughs> and Tannehill, you know, Tannehill, I think will be. I mean, I'm sorry, not Tannehill. Uh, that's now that's another story. Okay. I never liked that guy. All okay, right. but <laughs> Mitch. Okay, but. But he's going to be okay. Okay. Uh, over at com, check it out. As Fred said, how, how do you get all those depth charts? Is that you every night when there's a waiver thing, Dan? <laughs> you got to scrape. Go, I got to go to the computer and put it in. How do you guys keep those so up to date? Well, I'd like to take credit for everything, <laughs> but I tell you what, we uh, we got a staff that uh, quite a few people do the college depth charts, and, and uh, we, you know, we do them. You know, I do them too. But then the pro depth charts, we take care of. Uh, there's two of us that do that, and uh, I'm the second team. I'm not the first <laughs> team on that deal. So you're number two on the depth chart, is what you're saying? It, it, I'm number two. <laughs> I'm a backup guy. I'm not the. I'm not the A. They don't bring. They bring me in only on rare emergencies uh, of the first team. Ourlands.com, just like it sounds. Thanks a million, Dan. 
You bet, gentlemen. Thank you. All Have right. a great day and weekend. Thank you, you very too. Much, Thanks, Dan. Shaka does a great job. Oh, man. Every, he loves him. Yeah. Long term. Yeah. Well, I have no problem with Mitch. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Mitch is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. People just got to, they've got to be patient. And I know it's it's impossible. It's one of the toughest things telling Bears fans mm-hmm. to be patient. But you just, you got to be patient. You can't be, uh, you know, things are going to get better, hopefully. And uh, you, you got to just wait for it. Three three two three seven seven six. Murph and Fred. My yellow pad's just jammed. They call me Mellow Yellow. Right, Fred. Right, right. Let's take a look at a few of these things here, all right? Uh, all week long, I've noticed that all the experts in town here... Okay. I got 12 out of 12. Have the Bears not only winning, uh, but covering the seven and a half. Yeah. All right? Uh-huh. Then, here's the phrase that always kills me. Move that first thing to the side. Here's the phrase. Well, you know... When everybody's going one way, this is gamblers, you know. I want to go the other way. Yep. Now, I've been hearing that for 25 years, and uh, one of our buddies was having a great year this year, Northy. Yes. He was the first one to go, I go contrarian. Uh-huh. If, every, if the public, if everybody's going one way, I go the other. Our other good friend, Doug Buffon, used to do yeah. the same thing. Big and, contrarian. Uh, and Northy, congratulations. And the Sun Times, he's like leading the pack. He's been on fire this yep. year. But I always wonder, is... Is there really, you know, logic behind that? For instance, a week ago, all their, all our experts took uh, New England, and they were correct. Yep. So if you'd have gone against New England last week, oh, you know what? They're all on New England. I'm going to go oppo. I'm going to go contrarian. You'd have lost. Yeah. So it's convenient sometimes to say it. Sure it is. But I don't think there's anything to back it. But I know what they're talking about. Not necessarily the experts like our guys, right. but the general public. The, you know, the idiots. The masses are asses. You know, Joe at the corner placing his $25 bet on the Bears. You know, he's going to be wrong because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Is the prevailing wisdom. Is that what that angle is? Uh, how does, I, I don't, do you believe I think him? so. I don't, you know, usually it's, you, you want to be the one guy that comes away the best. So if everybody's out one, you say, let's go the other way. So, you know, that's just the way it goes, I guess. See, I don't think it, as they used to say, I don't think it holds water. No, it probably doesn't. It's just a phrase. Just a <laughs> phrase that doesn't happen all that often. It doesn't hold water. Yeah. Remember that? Uh-huh. Is that Joe Pesci, right? He was in court. Oh, in, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. remember the movie. I remember the movie. Right. I don't remember the line. Right. Yeah. She's talking, she's trying to describe the car and everything. He goes, and uh, he says, it doesn't hold water. Uh-huh. I go, I say that because that movie's 20 years old, right? More than that. Okay, thank you. All right, uh, next. Last uh, week we delved into uh, I did. Some of my theories on uh, overtime, you know, what would happen if uh, the, the field goal was at the end of 10 minutes right. the other team didn't get a chance. Like they were. So I was, got, I was thinking about overtime again. NFL overtime. All right. You win the coin flip. Yep. All right, now, this is not related to the new wave of 
to start the game, you win the coin flip the last five years, you defer, go, no, 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 I want the ball in the second half. Just so you know, uh, this the Patriots game was the third consecutive game the Bears have uh, touched down on the opening drive of the second half. Okay. Three times in a row. All right. I wasn't going to go there, but... Did, I know. But what they do, did they have the ball to end the first half? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But I understand the theory. You have yeah. then 30 minutes to look and see how the defense oh, is. Only fifth. Well, you got the whole yeah. first, well, whatever. Right, right. You got the first half to see how the opponent is scheming you defensively. Yeah. And then theoretically, you'll come out with, you know, your plan offense. Okay. They call it the double dip. You know, that, oh, we might get the well, double dip. There's only one time you can have the ball back to back, and that's that. That's right. if, if you have the ball at the end of the first half, you know right. you're getting it at the end of the second half. So how often does that happen, I wonder? Well, that's another question they have to look well, at. Well, it should be 25% of the time. Because half the time at the end of the first half, it's your ball, pretty much. And half the time at the end of the first half, it's the other guy's ball. Regardless of who's kicking off next, pretty much, right? Yeah. And then half the time you'll receive and half the time you won't. So that I can get John DeWow with the statistical breakdown. I think you only double dip 25% of the time. It might be more than that. Okay, whatever. So. But I'm thinking about overtime. Now, coin flip overtime, and this goes back to the Bears game. So let's say you win the coin flip on overtime, right? Uh-huh. Everybody says we want the ball. Right. And it seems like the logical thing to do. You would think. Because we get the ball... We're going to score a touchdown and win. Yeah. Game's over. The other team doesn't get the ball. Right. But how often does that happen? In other words, you win the flip. We want the ball. You get the ball. Probably at the 25 because the kick usually goes in the end zone right. or whatever, right? Unless you're uh, Benny Cunningham and you run it out. I know. That's up Fred's can. Yeah, he did it twice last week. I Once know. it paid off because there was a foul on the other team. And they all of a sudden <laughs> right. they had the ball in midfield. So work with me on this. So you win the flip. You say, we want the ball in overtime. You get the ball and you march down the field. But you don't score a touchdown. Yeah. In fact, you don't even get a field goal. Uh-huh. And you punt. Or even if you get the field goal, the other team gets the ball now. Right. But if All you, they need is a field goal to But win. if you don't get the field goal or the touchdown, exactly. Now, let's say you get the ball at midfield or, the, or you're on 40 or 30. You only got to go a little ways, now kick the field goal and win. Right. I believe you have an advantage to not receive the ball if you win the flip. But everybody takes the ball, assuming we're going to get the touchdown. Yeah. It seems to me the wise thing to do would be we're kicking off. Hold them. They punt to us, and we only need to field goal. The other team has to score a touchdown to end the game. Right. So anyway, what do I know? Yeah, you just have to stop. Just them. a fan. Yeah. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. You have to have confidence in your defense. You can stop the other guys. Lots more topics. Let's get back on some baseball, and we and got nobody some more. does it anymore. There's exactly right. Murph and Fred voted ESPN one thousand. We have a lot of Twitter polls in action right now. Thirty minutes left in a busy sports talk. Radio Day. Glad you've been with us. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. It's Murph and Fred every Saturday. Nine till noon. Coming up at noon, it's our guys, college 
Uh, Chicago's College Tailgate. It'll be Hoodie and Black and Abdallah. They go from noon until 2.30, getting you ready for college football. Notre Dame out on the West Coast against... Navy, they play in uh, San Diego. We got that game for you. And a reminder: yes, uh, Game Four of the World Series will be ah. over on uh, WIND this oh. evening because of Notre Dame uh, football. Sure, so they can get it there. Uh, Still don't know who's pitching for uh, for Boston. Uh, I think it's going to be Pomerantz, but he's the only guy who didn't pitch yesterday whose name isn't Chris Sale. Well, the uh, highlight of the game yesterday was uh, not necessarily the uh, walk off. Home run in the 18th inning after seven hours and uh, 20 minutes by uh, Max uh, Muncy. Uh, the highlight was in the sixth inning uh, when uh, the man who thinks he's going to get about $300 million over 10 years from somebody, Manny Machado, decided to, uh, well, let's just listen. He thought it was a homer. And the Kelly pitches a breaking ball line to left field over the head of Martinez and off the wall on the fly. And Manny talked it out of the box. And he's at first base. It's unbelievable. He totally dogged it out of the box. That's unbelievable. I can't believe oh, that. Thought he had hit a home run. Hit it hard, hit it off the wall, on the fly, and totally admired it. It wasn't like fair or foul. It was straightaway left field. Went 20, 30 feet down the line with a bat in his hand and just cost his team 90 feet in the World Series. Wow, you heard that on ESPN 1000 last night. Yep, Dan Schulman, Chris Singleton oh. doing a great job. And, uh, yeah, Manny dog, that, that Manny equals dog. That's what it is. <laughs> so. We talked about it at length in the first hour. Miss a little, miss a lot. But I can't imagine any team wanting him. Oh, but Murph, his slash lines. Look at he's going to give you on base, yeah, I don't slugging, care. on yeah. base plus slugging. Okay, go ahead. You do that for 10 years. Wait about two years when he starts gaining weight, doesn't give a darn, and then the cancer spreads through the clubhouse, and the other players go, look at that guy. He's not running. Why should I? And then you go, whoa, we got seven more years of what? Yep. All right, go ahead. If that's yeah. your idea of a good idea. Somebody will. Somebody mm -hmm. will sign them. We'll see who it is. Let's bring in uh, Felix the Cat. Felix, our Twitter poll question. We haven't uh, gotten to this yet. Simple, yes or no. Can the Bears beat the New York Jets without... Khalil Mack, yes or no? Uh, I've been voting on this. You've been voting for about three, four hours now. So we have some great numbers, good volume at ESPN 1000. Fred, uh, I think there's going to be uh, a runaway. Yes, obviously they're a seven and a half point yeah. favorite. No one. So uh, what, what do you guess? Eighty-five percent. Okay, they certainly should be able to beat the Jets. Uh, I'll go about the same as you. What was it, Felix? We're at 90% saying yeah. yes. All right. Yeah. Without him. Yep. Correct. Okay. So why were they going to play him? Uh, anyway. I know. I know. He wants to play. He wants to play. <laughs> he wants to play. He plays. That's how it works. Yeah. In the press conference yesterday, Bears head coach says, Matt Nagy says, Mac is at about the same spot today, meaning Friday, that he was last Friday. Right. All right. So... How'd that work out? Whatever. What do I know? He made a tackle. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, one. He did. One. Yeah, he made one tackle. Uh, the great Dan Wiederer, Chicago Tribune Bears beat guy on ESPN 1000 yesterday, about 10.15. Well, exactly, 10.15. And uh, some interesting comments because the NFL trade uh, deadline is coming up, Fred. And uh, he had some good thoughts on this. Yeah, I don't think very active. I just don't think that there's 
much out there for them to be active over, and they they can't sort of get trapped into the feeling of hey we're four and three if they if they win Sunday and and we got to make a, a run at the division this year. This is still something that you're eyeing 2019, you're eyeing 2020, you're eyeing 2021, and you can't give up that draft capital just to to sort of try to make something happen in the short term. All right, uh, they don't have much uh, draft capital to give up, yeah. at least no first-round picks for two years. I'm yeah. not saying that's good or bad. I'm just pointing out the facts. I thought you know. he actually went a little bit too far. I think in the NFL, you don't need that long to mm-hmm. uh, build your team. So I think the Bears team is looking as a, uh, you know, possibly make the playoffs this year and, and, and challenge next year. I don't think it's going to be that long, but mm-hmm. I don't think they should make a deal either. I think no, they got the, no, they got the players not. they like. And uh, they should they should go the whole season with them. So I guess you could distill down the bigger question, which would be for another time: Is this a rebuilding year? You know, which it's hard to you know. I don't like that. I don't like that phrase to begin with. But I, it think, works. I think rebuilding works. is more of a uh, NBA or baseball thing well, as opposed to a football. A safe good thing. point. Good because point. in football you can change it. You All can right. you can you can go bottom to the top. So mm-hmm. I think every year is a rebuilding year for every team. Yeah. Let's see, got some odds and ends here. Fred, I'm going to uh, hand over a little note here from the other day that I saw somewhere. It's yellow highlighted. It's just a funny little goofy thing. Uh, and let the record show. Sight reading is very difficult. I grab it and read it. And Fred, rip and read, they used to call it. Rip, rip and read. Rip and read Hubner. Rip and read the wire copy. That's Tear what you got to do. And read it cold. Uh-huh. Now, this is a little tongue, tongue twister, funny deal, not to... Uh, stump you up here. You have not seen this. This is from the uh, Wire Report. Something uh, the uh, uh, Marlins, the Marlins sign uh, from Cuba, the Mesa Brothers. Uh, okay. It seems like a cut and dried, right? Okay. Uh, there's the yellow. Take a whack at it. Marlins sign uh, Cuba Mesa Brothers, top international free agent Victor Victor Mesa, and younger brother Victor Jr., both <laughs> outfielders from Cuba, signed with the Marlins. Victor Victor <laughs> received a signing bonus of $5.25 million, uh-huh. and Victor Jr. Yeah. received $1 million. So apparently Victor Victor is much better. What's your Victor Victor? Jeez. I don't know. It just cracked me up. I don't know what he puts on the back of his jersey. Do they both put Mesa or Mesa Junior, or how do they do that? So how about this? You're the scouting director, and you're getting ready for the minor league. All right, so uh, let's send down to our uh, camp, uh, you know, Arizona Fall League, uh, Victor Victor uh, uh, Mesa and uh, uh, Victor uh, Mesa uh, Junior. What? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they'll be terrific players. Well, they may. They Uh, may be terrific players. We'll wait and see. Okay. Now, I've never been an accountant. Never been to accounting school. I took accounting classes. I used them all. My really? wife says you could be an accountant, and, and forgive me, uh, but I see I, I could I could yeah. put a gun to my head too. I said I would be bored out of my gourd. For all the accountants out there, yeah. congratulations! You know I'm glad you're enjoying your careers, but I would I would have hated it. So then you remember the uh, FIFO, FIFO, first in first out, and FILO, first in last out. Right, right. Uh-huh. So I went to a Blackhawks game recently. Yep, United Center. Uh, Never had a press pass. So uh-huh. I'm, you know, parking in one of the lots. You reach into your wallet, then you go, Oop, I don't have enough money yet. Oh, okay, more? How much? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Anyway. It's crazy. So I like to park for some reason the way I get in, you know, from where I'm coming from, uh, southwest suburbs. I like to park in the the big lot, which is directly north 
of the main entrance of the United Center. Right. It's the big lot directly north of the main entrance Parallel of the, to the UC. United Center. It would be, therefore, between Madison and 1 Street North, Warren Boulevard. Uh-huh. Sort of in the uh, area where the old... Uh, stadium Chicago used to be. Stadium used right. to be. Right. Right. Actually, right where it yeah. used to be. Yeah. Or was it Kitty Corner? This is 1900 West Madison. The older was 1801 West Madison. No, I think it's right across the okay. street. Right. I, I think they just whatever. changed the address. Okay, whatever. Fine. So, it always... You, you, you know what burns my butt, Fred? A flame? Yeah, a flame about three Reeds. feet high, right. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I usually get there pretty early. So, I'm coming down. I turn onto Warren, heading east, and then there's the entrance... It's, it's the biggest lot there, the biggest United yeah. Center lot. I think everyone that's been there once knows exactly where I'm talking, right? And you pull in. I get there early, maybe an hour before, and they're maybe just opening, right? And you go all, they, they direct you then all the way towards the building itself to the south end. Right. You enter on the north, and uh, you, you uh, end up, come on, here's this way, this way. Right. And then they pull you in, right? Proper break. So... That's fine and dandy. You're right there, first row, right by the bill. But then what happens when you leave the game? There's still the only one way in and out the way you came in. Right. There's about two, 3,000 cars between you and the way out. That's the way it works. So instead of FIFO, first in, first out, you're FILO. Yeah. First in, last out. I don't have a suggestion. I as do. To have, really? You leave but, early. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're another 45 minutes in the, in the lot. lot. It's crazy. And it's what they used to call, well, I can't call it what it is, but it's a mess. You know what their solution is? Yeah, I do. Have another gate right there on uh, Madison. Don't go to games. <laughs> I don't have to worry about any. My car's in the garage, and I'm watching a game on the big screen. If John McDonough's John. Sorry, John. Rocky Woods. Someone. Why should you, if you're the first one there, why do you have to wait about 45 minutes to uh, first in, last out? It's the final. I want FIFO. Doesn't work that way. I know. What are you going to do? You know. And that was another Murph moment. It's funny. They could do it where as soon as you pull in, you park right where you pull well, in. Yeah, thank you. And then, and then grow it out. That was the next thing. Why can't they, they could do, do that? that? Yeah, they could do it that way. Might be difficult when you're parking. And how about when it's like uh, over the years, it's nineteen dollars, twenty nine dollars. Why can't it? You know what? I don't really want to pay. Give me even. Give me a five. The, give me a ten. But the, the person, the woman, the guys out there, it's free, you know, ten below zero. They got the gloves with no fingers. And gloves with no fingers, yeah. and you hand them, you know, a twenty and a, and a ten, and they got to do that, wide it over, you know, and a, and then they find a dollar, you know. I think if it's twenty nine dollars, I think people would be more than happy to pay thirty. Well, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to. Murph, we're paying enough. That's not what I'm saying. It's just insane. Yeah, yeah. Make it twenty. How's that? There's Make it twenty. In years to come, there should be no pennies or nickels. Hey, I get put them the in the pennies, coin get jar. The and then lovely Dan and I, when it gets up to the top, it's eighty dollars, and we go out to eat. Yep. Are you kidding me? No pennies, no nickels. <laughs> Back get in rid flash. of them all. ESPN one thousand. Here, 
you have fun today, Fred, or uh, can we have more fun yet? Oh, or? yeah. Huh? You can have more fun after the Bears win tomorrow and then get ready and knock off Buffalo in Buffalo. And then, yeah. then it gets then it gets real. They play the Lions, the Vikings, and the Lions. They put In an 11-day span, they play the Lions twice and the Vikings once. This, That'll be the biggest 11 days of the NFL ooh, season for the yeah. Bears. The schedule makers had to be nuts. No, they're idiots. All four AFC East teams that the Bears played this all in a row. Well, I didn't mind playing them in a row, but playing playing the Lions well, twice right. in 11 days is ridiculous. Well, I've always said. Playing once early and once late. You're playing a three in your division, weeks uh, six, One, seven, two, three games and, six, seven, uh, eight, and then you played a three in your division again, 14, 15, 16. Well, the just, whole week. Or you can do it the other way around, go one, two, three, and then 15, Whatever. 16, But 17. they should be spaced out yeah. uh, at least eight weeks, or maybe like you said, you know, 14 weeks or whatever. Hey, real quick, great sound bite. Miss Little Miss Lud this week. Waddle and Sylvie, and this was great. It's about 10, it was about 25 seconds. Let's play it now. They're talking about uh, Manny Machado stealing the catcher's signals when he was on second base, and then you relay him back to your hitter, you know, maybe location up, down, in, out, fastball, breaking ball, whatever. And th- to me, Fred, this isn't cheating. Okay. But we'll find out here. These guys had a, g- a great discussion, and then let's comment on it. Waddle and Sylvie earlier this week. How about the Red Sox? They believe Manny Machado was relaying pitches, huh? Dodgers shortstop, an animated display at second base during Wednesday's Game 2, caught the eye of the Red Sox with pitching coach Dan something saying they believed Machado was trying to relay pitches. Well, was it a, a little w- exaggerated? Yeah, maybe, but I saw the whole what, thing. What's wrong with that? But, what, but what's wrong with that? I don't know. I mean, you is ain't that cheating, a, you ain't trying. I don't know if that's... How is that cheating? Yeah, like you're not using an electronic... You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not using the camera with Major League you Baseball. You know how the old school baseball guys are? Don't steal my sign. But hasn't stealing signs been going on in baseball <laughs> forever? Stop, stop the that team. has. Great stuff. Always. Hey, Sylvie, tip of the hat. He's exactly right. If you use your eyeballs and your brains and the other team's too dumb to change their signals or make them uh, where you can't decipher them on your own... Too bad. You'll watch if you watch enough baseball, especially here during the World Series. Yeah. You'll see the catcher originally set up low, sure, and then right before the pitch, he'll set up high, trying yeah. to throw off the guy right. that's on second base. But they do it constantly. Sylvie was right. Electronically, no, you can't no, run that's in cheating. like a video tape, like New England used to do. They say so. Yeah. That was a good start. I like to maybe we'll hit that again next week. Murph and Fred nine till noon. Want to thank our guest Jesse Rogers, Aaron Lemming at Windy City Gridiron, and the Bear. And Dan Shock at OurLads.com. Uh, Felix Reyes for all of his help as always. Don't forget I'll be back tomorrow with Steve Mongo McMichael, 9 till noon. Also post game as soon as the Bears beat the Jets. That's right, I said beat the Jets. And coming up, it's Hoodie Black Abdallah with Chicago's College Tailgate. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.